Hey everybody, Todd here. I just really wanted to say before this episode that we obviously talk a lot about the subject matter in this movie, but I know a lot of you watch the movie, but a lot of you guys don't as well because, you know, we're going to recap it. Uh, this movie deals a lot with someone who has taken their life and the repercussions of that act on their wife and her community around her. So we talk a lot about suicide and if that is a specific trigger for you, this may be an episode you want to avoid because it is a very big theme in this movie. I think the episode is great. We obviously have a lot of fun, but I just wanted to give a warning to everybody that we do sort of delve into those topics and have some heartfelt conversations around it. So be warned. It is a great episode. So if you can stick with it, awesome. If you can't, totally understandable. That's why we're doing the warning up front. Love you, mean it. Enjoy the episode. This episode brought to you by the following patrons, Boezy, Jeremy, Ali, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Joey, Mr. Rage Bomb, Libby, Sneaky Snake, Wes, Dreskel, Kaylee, Aaron, Danielle, the number Jeff, Amy, Tia, Matthew, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Isaac, Karoon, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of the awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in our Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out and chat daily. The Nighthouse with an N. Yes. Not a K. Nighthouse, not a K. Oh, yeah, 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 that's fair. It's a reality show. 14 knights competing for the hand of one fair maiden. Chivalry is it dead. What's up, mom? <laughs> I didn't come here to make it friends. It's called jousting, not friending. Now all I'm picturing is 14 knights competing over Sh- Susan Sossaman or whatever the fuck her name was from uh, <laughs> Shannon Sossaman. Whatever. Oh, the rose ceremony. If they don't get a rose, they just stab the guy next to them. <laughs> oh my god. It's the War of the Roses. Oh, oh my shit. god. I'll call Netflix right now. <laughs> well, that's not the one that's going to take us anymore. We're going to have to go to a different... They, they're cutting. They're making some cuts. I'll call Roku right now. <laughs> yes. We're going to go on Freeview and Roku. The sequel is The Circle, but it's just Stonehenge. Let's go. <laughs> it's just about 14 druids trying to figure it out in the English wilderness. I'm naked under this cloak. I've always has been, and I always will. I don't care what the guys say about it. I've always has been, been Paige. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke like a true druid. <laughs> I've only read that rune. <laughs> I've only ever read that rune. You fucker. I hate you so much. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin on Page. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I can't read runes, but Mikey makes me read them. And this week, he made me read... The, the night, night house. house. The night Live house. The night house. Yeah. So, what did you guys think? Well, let me ask this because this movie came out like two years ago. Had you seen it before today? No, uh, it was my first time. Yeah. Sa- same here. I only watched it like last week. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, this so I was like, we should do the night house. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So, since all of our first impressions were pretty recently, what were your first impressions of it? I super. Super enjoyed the movie. Okay. In a lot of different ways. One, I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of cheesy. And then I was like, oh, this is scary. And then it scared the shit out of me over and over again. The first half of it was really like, it ramps up a little bit. Yeah. And then from a work perspective, at the end, I was a little at first disappointed of like, oh, what happened? And then I was like, wait a minute. 
as a metaphor, it super works like nothing being a metaphor for death or suicide or suicidal thoughts and like wrestling with that and how, you know, her husband, there's not really an explanation and, you know, he dies by suicide and there's a lot of families that search for explanations and like a way that she does that it, it can sometimes it can be very un, unhealthy and not healing kind of like what it does with her. And then like she's wrestling with it and it's kind of like haunting her, but it's always been with her since she had like a, a like a near death experience. And like a lot of people use death or dying or suicidal thoughts as a cope. There's it's a coping skill that makes some people feel better when they're going through hard times of like, I can always escape like that, which I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm just saying that this is something that happens. And this movie does a really good job of unpacking it as a metaphor. And it really ends with her being unhappy, dealing with the depression of the loss of her husband. And like people and families of suicide are way much more likely to die by suicide or attempt suicide. Yeah. And her sitting in the boat struggling with the gun as the people who do actually care about her. I mean, the movie tries to like throw you some curveballs like, do we care about them? Because like the whole time I was like, her friend fucked her husband. Like I was like, <laughs> I know it. I know it. <laughs> You mean the lady from Barry? Yeah. Th- that's just like completely your headcanon. There is nothing sure, on the screen sure. to demonstrate oh, that. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think, he, I think he even acknowledges that he was wrong. He was just assuming that while watching it. Yeah. Well, like, everything else bad happens to her. Yeah. Well, at the end when her her friend and the neighbor are like getting her out of the canoe and like, yeah. like holding her while she's like just coming to grips with what's going on. Like, I love that shot and that scene. And then he kind of disappears and then like she kind of sees him and she's like he's always with you and it's nothing and it's like it, it, it was a really good metaphor for me for like mental health and I don't super come out strong like that in the in a pod in our podcast but like for me I, I do a lot with suicide and suicidal thoughts suicidal loss and it really was a real great visual representation of someone struggling with that the loss of someone and then going down that road and like nothing as a metaphor of that and not to mention that's just the metaphor. Like the the plane movie was like really creepy, like really scared me. And then, do you think he really killed those women? See, okay, I'm torn. I totally think that was in her head, trying to like justify his suicide. And then like she's gone down this like big rabbit hole, and she's kind of you know kind of lost her touch with reality. See, that's my question because I feel like this movie leaves that unanswered and it can go one of two ways and one way I love and the other way falls apart for me pretty fast. So yeah. So the fact that I like after I watched this, so that like the day after, like a couple of days after where I was like thinking about all this. Yeah. Let me know that this was a good movie for me. And when I watched it, I was like, holy fuck, Todd's going to hate this movie because I am having a hard time with this. Yeah, it's scary, man. Like, I don't know if it's as scary as his house for me, uh, but his house was more. His house was scary, too. Yeah, his house was really scary and very emotional. Like, we did back to back, like, fucking very emotional episodes for me, especially because the accident that she describes her near death experience is exactly sort of what I went through with my brother, except he didn't recover. Right. He he right. actually passed away, whereas she recovered. Right. So like, I, well, her friend did pass away in that wreck. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. So she's yeah. you, basically. Yeah, she's you, basically. But she was dead but for like four minutes. Like, super, way more attractive. Oh, yeah. She's way hotter than me. But I I was thrown from the bed of the truck, but I was virtually un, unhurt, other than, like, having to get stitches and stuff. Like, 
I wasn't dead for four minutes like she was. But I didn't like the end of this movie, although I really feel like it works for the metaphor better than what like I wanted to happen. It works yeah. more for the metaphor yeah. than it does for the surface story. So like I right. sort of dig that because I really do like the metaphorical way they built this story around like what suicide does to both the person who takes their life and also the the people around them like their family because yeah. when that happens like suicide can run through a community like you'll see yeah not not necessarily family members sometimes it is but like they're called they're called clusters yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so like that's very common and what mm-hmm. we're seeing in this movie and what we're seeing play out is like her grapple like go- her going down that road perhaps she doesn't at the end. I think she decides not to at the end, but it's very clear that the quote unquote nothing is not going to be leaving her alone. And that's why I went more for the metaphor than the yes. actual monster. Well, because the the monster in this doesn't win. It's like a stalemate at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Like there is no stamp like we beat the monster at the end of this because it's very clearly there. It's always going to be there right. because death is the ever present force controlling our lives or eventually going to take our lives. So like I understand that. I just don't feel like there's like a oh we overcame something that I normally like in movies. Well, in the in the lens of the metaphor for me it all works way better than the surface level because in the metaphor Because she does overcome the desire the to want to take attempt. her own yeah. life. Yeah. Like the Agreed. gesture, the suicidal crisis. Agreed. Her loved ones are there. I mean, she's obviously going to be have to get help after that. They're not going to leave her alone. And like their friends were yeah. leaving. We're like, I was like screaming at people. I'm like, okay. Cause like, I think the bar scene also does really well for me from like my angle of like mental health of like, yeah, she's kind of talking about it. And one guy asked one question, but like everyone's super uncomfortable dealing with. This. Oh yeah. Everyone can't talk. They can't, they can't sit in that. They can't hold space with her. <laughs> I recognize a lot of conversations I had around the time my brother died. And I went back to high school, like the um, conversation she has with with the student's parent that comes in. Yeah. I kind of loved that. (laughs) I love that one too. Sort of me too, but like the way she's like using humor in that scene to like, yeah explain what happened but also not necessarily be a bitch but like stop leave me alone like i'm i'm right. going through a lot to like, deal she's using humor to deal yes which yeah. Yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. something that people do so i recognized a lot of that in me because when i went back to school and i talked about this last week too because they're like both movies are very similar themes going back to school and like people who didn't really like weren't really friends with my brother logan like would ask me, hey, where's your brother been? And I'd have to be like, oh, yeah, he died this summer. <laughs> like, so yeah. you would always like try and make a joke of it. And then, of course, those people would just like avoid you for the rest of the year because they didn't want to like have to talk to you about it again. It was weird. Yeah, and Todd, you could speak to the, I mean, I can speak this from like the helper angle. And I've been through some yeah, yeah, trauma yeah. and stuff. But like you could speak to it as like the things you went through. But like, you know, people ask me like, well, how can I be there for this person who like either had someone die by suicide or had a traumatic loss. I'm like, generally you're not their therapist. You, they just want to feel human. Like they want, generally you stay around people who are going through stuff, at least in the same house, like give them some space if they want space, but like sit there, go eat with them, like watch TV, like act normal. And then if they want to talk about it, talk, like feel comfortable talking about it with them. But really it's like being there for somebody is like 80% of the battle is just be show, showing up, being authentic, being yourself. And if they, if they want to talk about it with you, they talk about it. But if not, they're going to really be thankful that someone was there and treated them like a human. Yeah. So like when it happened, uh, my dad would like for, I don't know, years afterwards, he'd be like, hey, let's talk. I would be like, I don't really want to talk. He's like, well, we don't have to talk about 
about it. Let's just talk about whatever about something, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, let's go to Las Palmas. So it's like a, like a terrible Mexican place that I fucking love. It's delicious, but like, it's not. It's not even real Mexican food. <laughs> but I love oh, it. First off. It's an award-winning Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I don't believe it. I'm like, your state's so many states away from Mexico. Like, it has you know, tortillas and cheese and meats. I mean, that is the cornerstone of a lot of Mexican food. I mean, food, yeah, but-, but Paige, if you ever came here, I would, of course, make you eat Las Palmas because it is a staple <laughs> of Why like, would you do that? Nashville. But because it's not like... It's not great. It is like bad Tex-Mex, but I love it. I show up and it's just a pizza place. <laughs> I take her to hot chicken. I'd be like, let's kill your asshole. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> down. Let's do that. So like the majority of the time, my dad and I wouldn't talk about like the sadness that was pervasive in our life at the time. It was just he was there for me and wanted to talk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, like maybe 8% of the time we talked about it. The rest of the time yeah. we were just bullshitting about whatever. Generally, if it gets bad, you can force it. Yeah. Like with this girl, you'd have to force it at some point. Like, hey. I don't feel comfortable leaving you alone at this house. You're you're going through a hard time. Like if, if, if Todd, if you were acting like her for like at all, I'd be like, hey, bro, I'm not going to leave because you're <laughs> not doing well. <laughs> we're going to order a pizza and I'm going to sleep down here because you're like, this is not. And like, we don't have to talk about it, but like, yeah, you're kind of fucked up right now. And that's what, that's what I mean. Like just showing up and being around that person. Yeah. Because her friend would be like, are you shooting over the stage? She's like, nah, don't worry about it. She's like, all right, peace. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have showed up to somebody's house one time with a bag of McDonald's and was like, do you want to eat these fries? Because if not, I'm going to sit here and eat these nuggets while you cry and I'm not leaving till I'm done. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. exactly. Deal with exactly. it. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid ass kid, McDonald's would do like, I don't know, 39 cent cheeseburger day on oh, I remember that. There were t- it was Tuesdays. Oh, it was, was Tuesdays. It? Yeah. Oh, and that's right. Because Monday was the cheaper hamburger day. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what asshole wants a <laughs> hamburger without cheese on it? I don't understand those vegans. People. They we, can't eat the hamburger. That's what I'm saying, babe. I know. I know. Right. My dad would literally he would pick us up from school and take us to McDonald's. We'd get like 50 cheeseburgers and eat them for like three days. Oh, that sounds terrible. I mean, we were poor and it worked. Bro, there were some very unhealthy fast food habits I picked up in high school. And like fast food was better back then. And I don't want to sound like an old man. But before Dave died, Wendy's was like the shit. Wendy's has taken a bit of a dip. I, I I feel you. And you could get a 99 cent double stack, which was like a full. It was like bigger than a Whopper. I'd be like, yeah, just give me like seven of those. Back when you could smoke at a Wendy's, that shit was lit. <laughs> when they had a salad bar. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot Wendy's had a salad bar when I was. Like, See, Jesus. I think we're really class representative because like Todd was like really poor and I was like middle class and like Paige was like fucking loaded yeah no no we were very poor until i was like 13 we were very poor until i knew what money was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 13's very young no i mean like dirt ass poor like hole in the bottom of our car poor you know her dad just loaded them all up on the the wagon they went out west after they hit black gold on their farm <laughs> black gold you mean oil yeah yeah you know what show i'm talking about yeah the the beverly hillbillies but like i didn't grow up in southern california anyway i know you grew up in like palo alto california (laughs) no i did not oh god i wish like i even even at our most most comfortable we couldn't even spit near palo alto that's like 
a wild level of rich that we'll never attain. Um, Meanwhile, people are moving from hovels in Paige's neighborhood when she was a kid and buying houses cash in Nashville. I know. They're like, look at this village of pores. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. It's like, it's all relative because it's like your quality of life is so terrible, but you have an amount of money that would make other people like violently jealous uh, for your terrible life. Uh, anyway. This movie. Yeah, what's your first impression? So I am torn because I really loved this movie until the end. And then it all starts to fall apart for me unless it's all in her head. Because if he's if he's not a murderer, if if she has made all of this up to justify a reason for herself then A, it fits with a metaphor for me, and I think it works a lot better story-wise. I think we're missing one scene to make that work. And that is like the Tale of Two Sisters scene where someone else comes in and there are no bodies and there is no anything and the mirror's not broken and it is literally all in her head. Right, but we A, see the mirror is broken and we never see that the bodies actually aren't in the reverse house. So in my mind, they are there her boyfriend was killing people, which is yes. bonkers. And I right. also did not like that aspect of it too, Paige. But yes, I, I completely agree. Because for me, I'm like, because if it's all in her head, I'm like, this makes absolute sense. Yeah. Of course you would have crazy delusions like this. Like, of course you would try to search for an answer and any answer is better than no answer. So like, I understand Every motivation for that. I understand it being in her head. It seems like at the end of the movie, she gets the help she needs. And at th- I really thought that's kind of where we were going to end up with it. Yeah. Um, but then her friend shows up and sees the mirror. And I'm like, no, it did happen. Well, I think she could have crashed her head in the mirror. She, she could you have. You think she fight clubbed herself? She may have. I mean, honestly, if she had, I wish they had shown that later on as like a reveal. So we know it was in her head. I think they intentionally ended it like that to be ambiguous. But here's the thing, though. The ambiguity ruins it for me. Same. Because it makes the, the metaphor make sense, but it doesn't make her story make sense. Because at a certain point, I'm like, either one of two things. Uh, she enters some very serious therapy and we do find out that all of it's made up and it's all in her head. Great. That's something we can explore and treat and process and work on or option b her husband was a fucking serial killer and we have not even scratched the surface of it in this movie we're not even gonna talk about it she never reports the bodies like she doesn't call anybody about it like those women are just fucking missing and that girl in the bookstore was a near ass miss yeah and this movie has a kind of weird perspective on it where it almost portrays it as romantic that he's killing other people instead and i really struggle with that unless it's all in her head because if it's all in her head then you can look at that as well that's a very toxic upsetting way to think but that is something that someone might justify to themselves right in a desperate state. That's what I took it all as. I think he was cheating on her repeatedly. Maybe. Yeah, that's possible. And I think she just could not wrap her head around that. Yeah. And like But then how do you explain the bookstore girl? Un- unless we're unless she's such an unreliable narrator that we cannot even trust what other characters say around her. Oh, I think he choked the bookstore girl. 
I think he you know did too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, like well, in a way hey, that he thought hey, she might be hey, into it. Yeah. Some people like it. Just that's not important. But like Like he kidnapped her for 365 days and about 18 days in, they're taking a shower yeah. together and she tries to leave. And then he like fist palms the back of her neck to bring her back in the shower. <laughs> like that kind of choking page. I'm so glad you watched it too, Todd. Honestly, Paige, I've watched it twice. Have you? I- <laughs> It's so crazy. You got to watch the second one. I've seen it. I'm the one who told you guys to watch no, it. No, the second one. You got to watch the second one. I have not seen one. the second one. The second one is fucking madness. Mikey, set up a TV outside by your adult-sized kiddie pool. I have a projector. You cannot watch that in public where people might see it. Disagree. He has a fenced-in backyard <laughs> and a flat surface against his house. We can watch 365 in his pool. I think it's a little weird to watch that with just one man in a tub in my it's house. It's definitely porn. Uh, you can't even argue that it's not. First off, never refer to your pool as a tub again or I'm not getting in it. <laughs> what is a pool if not a giant tub? I don't know, but if you missed, I, I guess if you're not in the Romancing the Pod group, you might not know that I live, live tweeted watching both 365 part one and part two. And the second one has a lot less sex in it. And a lot more bonkers mafia infighting that makes no goddamn sense. (laughs) And it just switches languages willy nilly uh, where it's like Italian, Polish, who knows. Uh, But all of them are better than the English, which is indescribable. (laughs) Like, I wish it had just all been in Italian or Polish and I could have just read subtitles because the English was honestly worse. Oh, yeah. It's a struggle, much (laughs) like a lot of the sex scenes in the movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, but I mean, but what I think is Bookstore Girl gives a description of a series of events that either A, could be that he was maybe cheating on her and then felt guilty and stopped, which is why she says... You know, I'm sure he felt guilty about cheating on you. And then Beth is like, yeah, I'm sure that's what he felt guilty about. Because Beth has already started on the serial killer track. Yeah. Or she's an escaped victim and or like potential victim. And he just narrowly did not kill her. And the question is, which one do you believe? And I think the movie makes it kind of murky. And maybe he was cheating on her. Maybe he was also killing these women. I think it is really unusual. And the movie does kind of paint it as because he seems to seek out people that look like her yeah which made it like a very bundy-ish kind of i mean he has a type it's very christian gray of him i think (laughs) i'm surprised you're cutting into this because i thought Paige, if a man approached you and was like listen i have very dark urges i thought (laughs) i have built a reverse house to trap the demon and i need to have rough sex in it and i need to tie you up you'd be like I'd be like, sir, this is a public bus. Please step away. You just pull that that little string. Be like, stop the bus. <laughs> we gotta go. Stop. Please let me out. Please, we have to get to his reverse house so he can put <laughs> his sex jeans on and show me that dick neck. No, see if it's a reverse house. It's a sex shirt. It's a denim <laughs> sex shirt he in the reverse house. He ducks it or Donald ducks it where he's got like just a yeah, shirt. Yeah, you Winnie on. the Pooh's it. Yeah, yeah. It's the Hell reverse house. Yeah. Feathers everywhere when you're done. Uh, <laughs> and you always have to do it. Doggy style in the reverse house. Yeah, and all the song that plays is that Missy Elliott song. But it can reverse it. I'm sorry. Was that supposed to be Missy Elliott? 
<laughs> my thing down, flip it and reverse it. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. No, please stop. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but we actually did get Missy Elliott on the podcast today. So <laughs> I will say, um, I think my brain was leaning more towards him being a serial killer because I had just watched him a few weeks ago in Archive 81 where he was like a bad guy. And I was like, I don't trust him. Uh, but also something that I love that they do in this movie. Uh, and I did, I'll burn a fun fact. It's almost all practical effects. Oh, so cool. what this movie does a lot is plays with depth of field yeah. to create the appearance that like someone is standing somewhere like a shadow person. It's so good and so scary. And then as she moves, you realize that it's just the angle of the camera and the way that the, sh- oh, it's so fucking good. It is. Uh, it's really great. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, the story falls apart because we don't, because of that ambiguity. And it serves the metaphor, but not the story. Right. And we're not going to do it anytime soon, but I do want to do an episode of, of Romancing the Pot on 365 because it's so fucking oh, nuts. Paige, I demand, I mean, I'll pick it if you Why don't. Why do you think like, I watched it? I was keeping that in my pocket. <laughs> I think I ruined it. It, it shocks me that because you are so squeamish about Fifty Shades and- Fifty Shades compared to 365. 50, it makes Fifty Shades look tame. It looks like Fifty Shades was directed by Kirk Cameron. Okay, <laughs> let, let's talk about this. I like my porn to be porn and my movies to be movies. That answers no questions, but... <laughs> no further questions. I, dr- I rest the case, Your Honor. There's no case to be rested. I, First off, neither of us are judges. No, 365. I, I do think 365, the reason it is the way it is in part, A, because it's fan fiction based on Fifty Shades, which I found out, and that's hilarious. But also, places outside the United States have a much d- different attitude toward nudity and displays of nudity oh, on screen yeah. than we do. And so I think that's what we're seeing is like, Fifty Shades is tempered for an American audience. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so the Americans are very titillated by it. And everyone else is like, this just looks like a normal movie. And then yeah. 365 is like their Fifty Shades to be like, holy shit, they really, damn, okay. My Fifty Shades is taking eight women, trapping them in a statue to confuse a demon to save my <laughs> wife. Because I'm a hopeless romantic. You mean, when you say taking eight women, you mean murdering eight murdering. women. Murdering. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in love with my wife. The movie left it ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I love my wife enough to murder eight women. All right, let's just jump into the movie so we can talk about it scene by scene because clearly we've got some stuff to hash out. Should I ask my husband how many people he would murder for me? Yeah. Okay. If a demon was telling you to murder me, how many women would you murder to trick that demon and keep me alive? There's a lot of weird rationalization in this movie. It would be my luck to be the neighbor where I'm like walking my dog and I'm like, oh, no, neighbor, are you cheating on your wife and a house you built on the other side of the lake? This is my hiking path. I could see that being you. You're like a compassionate person and you have a dog you hate, but would probably have to walk around a path that involves a lake. So, yeah, I could see that being you. I just I mean, I just feel bad for that guy. I mean, like having your neighbor being like, don't tell my wife I'm cheating on her. And you're like, oh, we are not close. And also, oh, like, no, I like um, her better than you. What? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can guarantee you if they had a kid, Mikey would absolutely tell her and be like, listen, if you need a place to stay, you can live with me for the rest of your life. I'm going to catch me a single mom. I'm going to catch me one. Mikey is single mothers. Single moms out there. We'll be doing a new show where you'll be dressed as a knight. (laughs) 
<laughs> no. And Mikey is dressed as Sharon Sossaman or whatever the fuck. Shannon like, Sossaman. Well, I don't care what her real name is. Like, I don't know. The only thing I disliked about this movie was that death really gave me like abusive ex-boyfriend vibes. Yeah, I was like, this is the weirdest <laughs> Final Destination movie I've ever seen. Although this works better than Final Destination because I least, there is like a villain. Like you actually get to see quote unquote, I guess they call it nothing, but death. You get to see death, right? Yeah. He's like, hey, it's death. You might, We hooked up in college and like, I just was like wondering where you're at right now. Like, Have you, you been thinking are... of me this whole time? <laughs> Remember that time you died for four minutes and didn't ghost me? Well, here's the deal. I need more of that in my life. So I need you to not ghost me, actually become a ghost, and like live with me in the nothing forever. Hey, it's me, Death. You up? There, there's the truth out there, friends. <laughs> I've had a lot of four-minute encounters that have turned into lifelong obsessions. Four minutes? For them. <laughs> you expect people to compete for four minutes? Uh, four minutes is a long time. Try plinking for four minutes. I can, but that's only because my tits are about as long as my arms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what kind of Tyrannosaurus Rex are you, Mikey? It's Titranosaurus Rex. Thank you very much. That's that T-shirt's coming. I just want to. I want pages of Titanosaurus. Titranosaurus Rex. If you guys want to come up with a design for the Titranosaurus Rex, a dinosaur with huge cans. <laughs> she puts the ass in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can we please get into this movie so we can talk about it? Okay, fine, fine. Fine, but after I need to scream about 365 some more after we're done recording. Okay. okay. Well, save it for an episode. <laughs> so, this movie uh opens with some shots of basically the boat at the dock, the wind chime, the house, and it is it does seem kind of empty. One of the challenges with this movie is that it really kind of relies on knowing where you're at in the house and it doesn't establish the house great yeah because multiple times i found myself thinking like well where is she now yeah like, is she upstairs is she on the main floor is she in the basement, is she in the level? basement? Yeah. yeah i had that same problem too Paige. yeah um but we do from kind of looking at the house clearly uh whoever else lived there was an architect um and we watch as she comes home from clearly the funeral because she's like dressed in black she's holding a casserole i do love that they included the casserole because like when logan died like oh, so many people made us food for like we had food for months like we had yeah. to throw some of it away and i also love that she comes in with the casserole and then like sits there for a second and then like just swipes the whole casserole dish into the trash i do but then i like that she retrieves it later yeah. we don't see her do it but we see her eating that casserole on the couch but essentially she like grabs a bottle of whiskey from the basement she sits down and she's watching home movies eating that casserole and then she goes to bed and it's very kind of it's super sad the beginning of this movie is very sad so's the middle and the end yeah <laughs> this whole movie is sad bitch it really could have used a giant shower and a lawn mowing robot named george oh my god that's like my rich people's dreams <laughs> oh the second 365 they run across the the lawn across an automated lawnmower that's doing its own thing and they jump over it to like get to their car and they're like sorry george to the robot and then we never hear about it again and then later they're like we have a gardener and i'm like what happened to the robot anyway we can't get into it so she's kind of like feeling the pillow and his side of the bed yeah and i kept thinking about like if jake was suddenly gone how many things would smell like him that's what i kept like fixating on of like it would be inescapable yeah he's very smelly no just like <laughs> he smells like sawdust in heaven mikey 
<laughs> I'm sorry, lonely person, but like when somebody lives in your house all the time. That smells like shit. <laughs> he smells fantastic. Actually, I know, he smells like, like Sawdust in Heaven. I said it first. Sawdust in Heaven is my favorite single. It's a good, it's a great song. Isn't it by Florida Georgia Line? I don't know. Uh, so we have an answer to how many people he, he would kill. I asked, oh, yeah? if a demon was telling you to kill me, how many people would you kill to trick the demon and keep me alive? And he says, I would have you 5150 me. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to kill 5051 people, Paige? No, I think he's just going to kill our insurance deductible. <laughs> no. no, I know what 5150 is, but Mikey, do you want to explain it? <laughs> it's the involuntary commitment. Oh, law. I guess, I guess yeah. that's right. That's, that's only the code for California. That's in, it's involuntary committing. in Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. It's Baker Act in Florida. Baker yeah. Act is like, you know, like they, everybody says, you got Baker Act. I'm like, that's a Florida thing. Yeah. That's the only right to say I mean, that, that is the, the right answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you're okay if your spouse ever comes to you and says i need to murder some people to keep the demon away from you because it wants you back on the other side dead that's a red flag yeah yeah and red is a signifying color because it either means like evil demon you know whatever or spicy and either way you gotta be wary I'm spicy spicy like later there's like a regular moon and a spicy moon so that's a lot of spicy moon that's a lot of spicy moon of all <laughs> anyway so, so she's sleeping she's kind of like sad about his side of the bed but one thing I did notice, and I noticed this a couple times in this movie, she has all her windows open. And you can tell that they're open because there's like a breeze. But she lives right next to a lake. So many mosquitoes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, mosquito central. This bitch is going to be covered. Like, oh. Yeah. Where does this movie take place? Do you ever find out? Upstate New York. Oh, yeah. So you, there would be a shitload of mosquitoes. Shitload of mosquitoes. Yeah. That's a no for me, dog. Hard pass. And there's no screens on the windows either. I was just like, what the Fuck. That's an architectural choice her husband made. I guess. And that's how you know he was a murderer. He was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to kill you with Lyme disease. Yeah, I'm an architect and I specialize in giving people Zika. Like, <laughs> what is happening? Screens make the house take away from my vision or whatever. And I, I would just be like, ugh. Why don't you go build a reverse house? Did the reverse house have screens? I know. Well, it didn't even have windows yet. Ugh. It was barely a house. This is more of a reverse shack. Enjoy West Nile virus, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and bats, because if you got a ton of mosquitoes, it means you also got bats. And bats can also fly during through like open windows. So could any like chickens could get in there. Chickens with squirrels. Well, that's, a, that's a second story window, man. Squirrels, though, definitely. <laughs> but she had the first floor it had to be open, too. I mean, maybe I honestly wouldn't mind chickens as much as I would mind bats and mosquitoes. I mean, I love bats. Bats are one of my favorite animals, but they shouldn't be in my house. That's yeah. not where they belong. Anyway. So there's a knock at the door. She gets up. She goes downstairs. There's nobody there, really. And she checks all the doors, makes sure they're locked. She goes through the back slider. Uh, she goes to the basement and nobody's really there, except as she kind of moves past the basement door, it seems to open. And as it crosses the other door, it seems to reveal a shadow person that turns to look at her. But then as she shuts the door, it disappears because the depth of field changes. So cool. It's so fucking cool. But it's also scary. It is scary. And I, as I was watching it, I felt like they must have been doing it more places and I wasn't seeing it every time because it is very subtle. 
And then at the end of the movie, as it ramps up, you see it everywhere. But like, yeah. I feel like if I were to go back and watch this again, super close, specifically looking for it, I would probably find even more of them. But anyway, she wakes up on the floor of the office downstairs. She gets up, gets her coffee, leaves the house. And as she's walking to her car, she realizes that the gate to their dock is open. So she closes it, uh, but she sees muddy footprints along the dock leading up from the water. Yeah. The thing is, she actually doesn't close it. Like, so I guess there's she a She just place clips to... it into place. Yeah. So yeah, it's like place. a little latch that holds it open. Or I, I'm right. assuming there's also a latch that holds it closed. But we never see it because she never uses that one. She pushes it towards right. the latch that holds it open. But it was like swinging in the wind. I don't know. I thought that was weird that it had a latch that held it open, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I've never owned a dock, so I don't know. I'm... I would assume that if you're on a body of water that could have storms, you might have closures on both sides so that it doesn't swing and break. Because I imagine that the more it swings, the more it has a possibility to break. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, that makes complete sense, Paige. Yeah. Anyway, so she rushes to work and it turns out she's a teacher and she's there for like an end of the year meeting where they're turning in grades. Which means her husband was rich as shit. Because we don't pay yes. teachers enough. He's an architect. Yeah, yeah, and he built that house. Yeah, yeah, but we don't pay teachers enough to like live at the lake like that. I definitely thought he had an air of came from money. Oh, yeah, like that sort of white privilege where you feel like you can get away with murdering eight women. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> feel like that was a, a part of this movie. Yeah, He did it because he loved her. It's romance. Oh, no. I don't. Uh, I, I think here's my, my headcanon. They've been married for almost 15 years. What? Yes, it says in the movie. They they had been married for almost 15 years. They got married at 15? No, she's in her like er, like late 30s, early 40s. Okay. So people our age did do that. Some of them. Yeah. My headcanon was she married him right out of college. And yeah. so they were together when he was dirt poor, becoming an architect. And he's had 15 years to then build them this house. And the house is only a couple years old. Yeah. Was my headcanon. They'd lived there for two years. Okay. And that's kind of verified by some of the movies and stuff that she watches later. Okay, cool. So my headcanon was she got in on the ground floor of him being a really good architect. And he made a ton of money and then basically built their house as like a passion project. Yeah. I mean, cool. I mean, yeah. that that's sounds very similar to me as an, a movie we've done on romancing the pod the lake house yes the lake house <laughs> this is just scary the lake yes house. it is and i honestly could have used a lot more of keanu reeves with his dick in their mailbox where should he put this his dick in this one the reverse house the mailbox like where does it go <laughs> is there a magical time traveling dog lord oh the neighbor's dog maybe I have a question. If you're going to like like move in by a lake and like live out there, you have to get a dog. Why why do you have to have a dog? You're like out in nature, you need a dog. I mean, I would certainly get a dog, but there are people who are like allergic to dogs or culturally don't necessarily like dogs, so like they don't have to get a dog. I'm just saying if you want to deter burglars and you want are like a kind of person who leaves all your windows open, you need a dog. I first of all, I never leave my windows open. See my earlier comments about bugs. Secondly, I'm way more likely to be burgled in my 
tiny one bedroom Los Angeles apartment than I would ever be out in nature. (laughs) Thirdly, if I lived in the woods, I might have a dog to alert me to other animals. Mm -hmm. But on the lake where there's a bunch of other houses, it doesn't make as much sense to me. And he can, they can swim in the water. Yeah. Yeah, Dog, dogs can swim. That's good. Mikey. Doggies swim. Yeah. Cows go moo. Oh, I would definitely get a cow. I'm not going to lie. If I move the lake, I'm getting a cow, but like one of those Scottish cows that have like bangs. Yeah. And then I'm going to name him like emo. Emo emo Scottish cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just blast fucking panic at the cow disco. A hundred percent of the people at this lake who did not own dogs killed a bunch of people. Wait, I I missed all of that because in my mind I was screaming, I chimed in with a haven't you ever's ever heard of closing Drinking the goddamn, some goddamn, goddamn milk. <laughs> so like sorry, yeah. I, I I couldn't understand what you were saying because my brain was sabotaging me. I, I said a hundred percent of the people on this lake who don't own dogs killed people. You don't know that there aren't other people that don't own dogs. The movie did not show us that page. But that's what you're, you're saying a hundred percent of the people who don't own dogs killed people. And I'm like on that lake? Because you only see two people that live on that that lake so technically 50 percent. you say that 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 guy's 50 percent. i mean he's one of the two people that two live people there. that live there there were three people who live there and his wife when this movie picks up there are only two people that we know live on that lake that is her neighbor and her and one of them killed people and one of them didn't none of those two people killed people when the movie starts also dogs really do protect you from demons it's like well-known fact what kind of demons are we talking? Is this like Billy Zane kind of demons? Because like, How much is Big Dog paying you right now? <laughs> I refuse to believe you have not been approached by Dog Corp. No, no, no. Big Dog, like the t-shirts, like Big Dog. <laughs> like, demons? Get off the porch, Todd. <laughs> What's it, what is it? <laughs> Something about it's, porch. It's, they're all crazy. <laughs> yeah, you can't run with Big Dog. You stay on the porch. Uh, these are terrible. This one says, I'm not a control freak. You just need to do it my way. <laughs> There's not even a dog pun in that. These shirts are just like lazy. <laughs> <laughs> they just have like a big dog on them and they're just like conservative talking point. It's yeah. just like with a dog. Nobody wants to work anymore. <laughs> Can't hang with the big dogs. <laughs> it really is just like, I love my wife, but she shouldn't be able to vote. Big dog shirts. <laughs> like that's, that's the vibe of all the shirts. Well, that shirt is actually if you married a felon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you married a guy like who was born in September, who loves to be a jackhammer road worker operator, I'm like fiercely protective of my wife and very insecure, but I love her. And it's that like crazy paragraph shirt. I think the most important thing that you just said that ties back to big dog <laughs> shirts is people that wear them are very insecure and that is very clear. <laughs> but they also probably have a gun on them. But you know what they don't have? Sleeves. Every big dog <laughs> shirt is meant to immediately have the sleeves removed. Sun's out, both literal and metaphorical guns out, Paige. Yeah, indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> I know there's one person turning off the podcast right now and like yeah. Taking off his big He's dog like, shirt. I love damn big dog liberal <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's how you should count like vaguely people who sound like that. Just be like, that guy has like real big dog energy. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me think of Dog the Bounty Hunter, which also he has big dog energy. Like that's mm-hmm. that's big dog energy incarnate is Dog the Bounty Hunter. They call it big dog little dick energy. I mean, my wife 
is going to be hunted by a demon. I'll murder eight people if you want to hang with the big dog Faye on the porch. But he just choked them. He just choked them all yeah. out. Also, he was having sex with them too, right? Like we saw that. It, who's to say? You know what collar controls big dogs best? A hand? A choke collar. <laughs> oh, no. Don't get choke collars. That's so mean. It's really mean to dogs. Don't do uh, that. Pinched collars are necessary if you have maybe a large animal that could be out of control in a public situation. You don't want, say, your 90-pound lab to knock over a three-year-old and have her dad be like, mad at you and you have to run to your car this is not a specific example (laughs) did you make it back to your car in time mikey uh hell yeah that guy did (laughs) if that little three-year-old wanted to hang with the big dog she's stay on the porch (laughs) (laughs) so she she's a teacher as we established so she's at this like end of the year school meeting where she's turning in her grades yeah and we see her kind of closing down her classroom for the end of the year she falls asleep at her desk and one of her students moms comes in and is like well my kid didn't have time to do this assignment and then you were absent on the day he was trying to make it up and she's trying to like guilt trip her into changing her son's grade she's like he didn't come to me about that till the last day of school also she teaches speech my mom's a teacher and so many kids, like the last week of school, are like, can I turn in like 15 of these uh, like redone assignments for a better grade? And she's like, look, I don't have infinite amount of hours to correct your work. Like if you'd come to me two, three weeks ago, like whole different story, but you didn't do work all semester and now you expect to be. Yeah. Maybe some people can't use Google calendars. <laughs> I like how, when Mikey makes jokes that are just for Paige and I. But that was funny because Mikey doesn't know how to use Google Calendar and it leads to a lot of scheduling problems. I use Outlook. I have Outlook at work. What too. are you, 87? It's Sorry. just because we're forced to by our offices. Yeah, I hate Outlook. What are your offices, 87? Uh, yes. Paige, I think you would really like Office because its full name is actually Office 365 and it will kidnap you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being strangled sexually by these emails. <laughs> I just need someone to Photoshop Clippy, like choking Paige slightly, and then like a little pop up box that says, Do you need help being choked? You really excel at being a good girl. Hell yeah. It, lo- it looks like you're trying to have an orgasm. <laughs> Would you like some assistance? Would you like some assistance? That's my best pickup line. Yeah. Call me Clitty. <laughs> Instead of Clippy. I get it. I love it. Yeah. Clitty. Yeah. I can never find him when I want it. <laughs> What's that fucking Clitty? <laughs> I don't know how to add a column to this spreadsheet. Oh, dear God. We have to move on. I'm waiting on Paige. She does that whole thing. <laughs> See, I like how earlier you're like, I could do the outline one time. I, I didn't like- do this one. <laughs> I, if you if you tell me to do an out, I'll do a movie outline. We'll do it for April Fool's. He says in May. He says in May. <laughs> Mine's going to be like. Pause for applause and laughter. (laughs) I wrote this outline like I was accepting a Golden Globe. We're podcasting, so I guess it would be like a Webby? Yeah, I guess. Although you submit for Webbies. Like, you you nominate yourself. Webbies are a scam. Like, if you ever see someone bragging about winning a Webby, just realize that they paid $3,000 for a trophy. 
and that's it. You you still have to get votes, like so it's not a complete scam, but you you have to pay to submit to be considered for a Webby. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then it's like a vote, right? So like you have to campaign for it. Yeah, so it's like like any other award show, probably. But it's why I hate <laughs> award shows. <laughs> you pay money, you campaign, and then like you get the votes. Yeah, I was recording at the Funhouse offices. This is like six months ago and we were like sitting at one of the the it was like a diner set for a podcast we were recording and there was what looked to be a fake webby sitting on the table and i was like oh my god how hilarious you guys put a fake webby on the set and they're like no that's a real webby and i was like it is plastic yeah you literally pay like three grand for a plastic piece of shit trophy (laughs) yeah i was like holding it i was like i'm holding a webby right now it's not like the awards i get you know, from the mayor. Yeah, the ones that are like glass and etched. It was pretty nice. But also, I felt like a total asshole getting an award from the mayor and the chief of fire department because of like, they're like, here's our civilian awards. And they're like, these two guys from the Tennessee Department of Transportation, they rode up on this car wreck. The guy's legs were in his car. His body was 40 yards away. They tourniqueted his legs. They saved his life. Next up, Michael Randolph. His trainings were pretty good. I'm very worried about the guy you just described whose torso was 40 feet away from his legs. They saved his life. Those two guys got an award. And I was like, well, my thing is not going to hold up to their thing. Like, that's like a real thing. Mikey, you winning that award after those guys won the award would be like you winning an award for like what you do every day. And then us winning an award for making a joke about Clippy actually being called Clitty and like helping people have <laughs> orgasms. Like that right. is the level of disparity between I those two things. I wish you could hear their stories. It was like they were drowning and they threw him a rope and pulled him out of the river and they're like, Michael, he like came and did an in-service like how to talk to people in a crisis and like we found it like pretty helpful. And- he showed us a bunch of weird slides. So along with this trophy, we're giving him a book on how to do PowerPoint. No! Slideology. Slideology. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The book is just like one page and it says on the last page of your slide, put Finn. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I I need to start doing that. If I could be my authentic self at work, I would have like a training video that was filmed in like Old West style, silent film style with like just silent, like the silent film soundtrack of just like the piano. Like early Buster Keaton shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) And then like the words of being, and then like just like people like officers like approaching someone like pointing and I'd be like, Use a soft tone of voice and don't point. And then like, but like the, it's just I, I'm just narrating a silent film on how to talk to people during a mental health crisis. I love this. It's very cerebral, but I, I just don't know if they're ready for that. I don't, I don't know, but you could maybe enter it for a Webby. <laughs> <laughs> and as long as you paid $3,000, Mikey, you'd win the Webby for best silent film police training video on how to de-escalate situations. Get that plastic spring! Uh- <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get so many upset emails from people who paid a shitload of money for their trophy collection. Yes, if we get a bunch of emails from famous webby people i'd be like well why don't you come on the show and talk about it (laughs) guys if you want to pay three thousand dollars for a shitty trophy i will make those for you and they'll say whatever you want it to say regardless back to this movie (laughs) yeah so a parent comes in they're just like man my kid and so she's just like fine he gets a b and she's like well that's not really why i'm here and she's like why the fuck are you here that like What did you want? I did sort of love that. And she's like, well, you weren't there. And he's like, yeah, my husband shot himself in the face. That's why I wasn't there. It's personal. Do you feel better now? And I was just like, yes. Yeah, get it. (laughs) It was really fun. 
I was like, I hope she feels bad. She does, though. You can clearly see her like, oh, oh. fuck. <laughs> like, I wish I hadn't said anything. I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. Anyway, we cut back to the house where she's unloading boxes. She's clearly going to start packing up his stuff. Yeah. That's the thing that, like, watching her pack up his stuff just made me think of, like, if I had to do this, like, if this happened to me and I had to go through the whole process of like packing up all the stuff and going through it. I'm like, that's the part that would get. Me. Oh, it is. That's the part that would fuck me up. It absolutely is the part that fucks you up. Like when we were cleaning up like Logan stuff and throwing away his clothes or we actually donated his clothes, but like a lot of that stuff, like, yeah, that's harder than the funeral. Cause you're literally packing them up and removing them from your life. Yeah. And it's like so sad. Like, I still remember those moments. I have never been able to grieve properly at funerals. I, I, I don't know if it's a vulnerability thing or I'm just uncomfortable publicly grieving. For me, it's a vulnerability thing. I know it is, but I'm the same way. I'm just not one to like, I, I don't get a lot of like being in a group and crying. Like that mm. doesn't make me feel comfortable. And like, I'm more of like a personal, like talk one-on-one about it kind of person. And then like, it's definitely afterward, like what you're talking about where I like feel stuff. And yeah. I, I always feel I have to like be taking care of other people oh it's the worst yeah well and i think there's also something to be said for like if someone has been ill for a long time or is is older and you've had time to kind of process and prepare yourself for them to move on from your life i think that's a little bit different of an experience and that's why people start giving stuff away while people are still alive and stuff yeah i can see but that. to have someone just suddenly removed and then have to pack up their stuff from your life that sounds horrible watching her do it in this movie i was just like oh my god like this is brutal it's very very sad and it is worth noting in this movie that whenever she encounters a part of that grieving process that is extremely difficult that is when the dreams and the delusions rear their ugly head yeah Mm -hmm. i think that really lends itself to an interpretation that all of this is in her head the movie just never definitively tells us that. Yes. Yeah. Because she doesn't sleep. It's, if you if you can't sleep, you will start to be delusional and hallucinate after a few days. Oh, absolutely. So once she comes home from, she's kind of unloading the boxes. Uh, she runs into her neighbor and this is where he tells her he's going to cover the boat. Yeah. Uh, because there's going to be a storm. And she asks if he heard a gunshot that morning because she heard one as she was trying to like close the gate. And that gunshot. At the very beginning, scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh! Oh, yeah. Because it's so loud out of nowhere. I fucking hated it. Well, and we notice now that she's talking to the neighbor, the muddy footprints from the dock are gone. Yeah. And here's the other thing, too. A lot of the things that she is seeing, the footprints, the... The evidence that someone is there haunting her, air quotes, disappear when other people are around. Yeah. That's another thing to kind of suggest that, like, maybe this is in her head. Well, it also, like, ties to her trauma. Like, this is before he's like, I'm nobody and I want your body. He's like, hang on. Wait, what movie did you watch? I mean, I felt like nothing had a sexual connotation with him. It kind of does, because it does try to have sex with her at that one point in the movie. Yeah, like, towards the end. I mean, it really, I was not joking when I said death has, like, ex-abusive boyfriend vibes like yeah very much so yeah but like finding out he died of suicide by gunshot in the boat all of those like hallucinations make a little bit more sense when you find that out well and and her hearing the gunshot makes sense but yeah anyway and her neighbor's like i don't think you're doing okay yeah the neighbor's so sweet too like yeah. very compassionate very trying to like just help her through the process like he's sort of been through it himself maybe right well, because we know he lost his wife. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So he has been through it. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot yeah, about that. You're it. right. Yeah. So 
we cut to later that night. She's alone. She's watching home movies of them building the house and him like literally physically building it. So he did a lot of the work himself. Yeah. I know Paige loved this scene. Oh, the biceps. Yeah. I re- See, here's the thing. In Archive 81, where he was a bad guy, he also kind of got to go shirtless a bit for just a little bit. And I was like, nice. But then the rest of the time, he's just kind of in sweaters. I mean, if I learn anything about Chris Evans, it's that he's never looked better oh. than when he's in those cable knit ah. sweaters from whatever Good movie that Lord, was. Good Lord, and Knives Out? It's yeah, Knives, knives out. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah oh. that's how I knew he was the bad guy. Oh, shit. Spoilers. <laughs> the movie's been out for a while. But he, oh my God, him in that cable knit sweater. That that sweater makes me want to like, I will go hang out with you on the Cape and and eat lobster rolls or whatever. Right? Like, please. Yeah. When I saw him in that sweater, I was like, fuck, I got to get some of those. Right. And lose 40 pounds and gain <laughs> a lot of muscle. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to I was going to say, you, you need to gain height and gain some muscle <laughs> to pull it off. So uh, she turns the home movies off. She puts them in a box. She puts the camera in a box. She starts boxing up all his clothes and pictures of him and uh, a book that basically has like blueprints for their house. So he was like drawing it. And then the longer she flips through it, the less coherent the drawings become. Yeah. And it's a lot of like fractals, geometric drawings, and then a note that just says confusing patterns, which yeah. I thought was kind of funny. So here's what I wanted more of. Mm. When she's flipping through like hand-drawn drawings of the house, like the blueprints, and then it gets into like the fractals and like sort of gives you the indication that the house was built in such a way for a reason. Yeah. And we never find out what that reason is. And I would have loved to have delved into that more so here's what my brain was going for because it does get into mazes and labyrinths and we find out later that essentially he as in her delusion because we don't know if this really happened at all or not sure yeah he he is trying to create a type of maze or way to trick death or nothing so that it can't get her and so the house that he's building on the other side of the lake is the exact reverse of their house. Right. So that the views and everything would be the same. So what I early in the movie was thinking was, is this an interdimensionality situation where one version of her husband has died and there's some connection to another dimension and that's where the reverse house belongs so that he was oh. building it somewhere else I think he built a love shack. Tin roof. Rusted. Rusted. If you see a busted house in the middle of woods, I just (laughs) killed eight girls in my love shack. I buried them down in the basement under wood and they're gonna. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) They're hid in the crawl space. It fits about 20. 20. So hurry up and bring me more next, honey. Because the love shack (laughs) is a little place where... We can strangle ladies. I just can't wait to try my new pickup technique. Take photos of women in public. Oh, Oh, don't do that, Mikey. But that's sort of what he does in this, right? That's sort of what he does a little bit. Um, But yeah, no, I wanted more about why it was the reverse floor plan and why this was important. Same. Yeah, they had the book of like, Look at this book about mazes. But if you look at it like this is all in her head, then that's not important because she will never no. fully understand and, and right. parcel out that mystery because it's not real. I think it was just a love shack and it, it may have looked like her house. It may not have. I just think he built a place to hook up. I mean, maybe it's just unfinished or whatever and supposedly has a bunch of ladies buried under it. Maybe. Supposedly. I mean, we don't know, I guess. I mean, I assumed that he actually was killing people, but. 
I mean, there there is a reading of this movie in a potential timeline, if you want to think of it that way, that is her husband dying by suicide and her discovering that he was also a serial killer, which then prompts her to potentially consider suicide. That is very possible. That's a reading. Yeah. I just, I, I think it falls apart a little bit at the end. Yeah. But that fair. is possible. I, I think it was all, I think it was all in her head. When, when when everything at the end where it all went clear and she just went with her friends and like he was in the background, I was like, oh, this is all in her head. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so we cut to, she's asleep later that night and the sound system turns on. It's almost dawn. It's like 530 in the morning. And she gets a text message from her dead husband and she calls it. Somebody answers and she does hear kind of like a man's voice and it tells her to look out the window. And her husband is standing naked in the middle of the lake, which like, thank you. Uh, I don't know why he needed to be naked for this, but thank you. She wakes up on the floor of the bathroom, which I do think, again, she's losing time and she's not necessarily conscious of where she's falling asleep or ending up in the house. Well, she's not waking up where she falls asleep. Exactly, yeah. which to me suggests either sleepwalking, which she does bring up in a little bit. Yeah, she does mention that. Or it is all in her head. Yeah. And and so we can't trust anything that we're seeing from her. But she checks her phone. There's no sign of the text. She checks his phone. Uh, she goes and pulls it out of the evidence bag and checks it. N- there's no sign of the texts. Yeah. Um, but while she's looking at his phone, she flips through his photos and most of them are of her but then she finds one that she's like wait a second i don't remember this like this looks like it might be a photo of me but i have no recollection of when this would have been and i don't have a blouse like that who is this it's not me and so she takes it to her friend and is like hey who is that she's like well that's you and she's like "Mm, i don't think it is and she's like i think you're thinking too much about this and i don't think this is a healthy way to process your husband's passing yeah and maybe it's just easier if you think about this as he was the man who was in love with you and that's who you want to remember and keep it at that yeah you know like i mean you have your choice of what you want to do but yeah yeah i mean some stones are best left unturned i guess was her point maybe a little bit which yeah i mean if your husband had murdered eight people i think it's probably important that those eight families get justice on some level like or some answers at least which is why when she doesn't report any of it that's where i'm like is is it real at all? Did yeah, it right. happen at all? To your point earlier, Paige, we needed the scene where she does call the cops. They go to the house and there's no bodies there or the house isn't even there or whatever, you know, something yeah. that signifies, OK, she is an unreliable narrator. Right, 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 yeah. right. So um, she decides to go out for drinks with them to try and take her mind off things. And th- it's really interesting to me who at everyone at the table kind of represents different reactions to finding out that someone has died by suicide where her friend is very compassionate and just trying to kind of stay with her through it. Uh, one of the women at the table is very curious, but very kind of timid yeah. and trying to be respectful, but is very curious. And then there's one guy that's just a total raging asshole. <laughs> Yeah, he's not being very compassionate to the situation. He is not compassionate at all. And is like rapid fire hot takes that are the worst takes ever where I'm just like, why do you think he did it? Yeah. Why do you think he did it? Or like at one point he kind of teeters on the precipice of calling it selfish and kind of implies that her continuing to dwell on it is annoying. Yeah. It's, it's a lot where you're just it's like almost as bad if he was like, so you're single now. 
<laughs> so uh, he also suggests because she basically confesses to them like I've been having these weird dreams. I'm losing time. Yeah. Things, things are not great. And he's like, oh, like sleep paralysis. She's like, it's not like that. But before she even gets a chance to explain it, he just kind of talks over her about sleep paralysis. And she's like, no, I know what it I mean. I'm a grown up in the world. I, if I wish I was at that bar because i have been like, you're in like acute grief and this could be very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, I have had sleep paralysis before, and it is not at all what she's describing. She's no. describing something very different. And generally, if somebody tells me something like, oh, this really happened, like, right after my husband died of suicide, shot himself in the boat out back, I've been like, this could be related. Yeah. Well, and, and she does mention that maybe it's sleepwalking because that sounds kind of closer to what she's experiencing. That's more likely than sleep paralysis because she's falling asleep somewhere, waking up somewhere else. And waking That's up not somewhere paralysis. else. Yeah. Right. It, well, and she mentions that he was sleepwalking basically when they moved into the house. But this is where we find out that they were married for almost 15 years. And he was only sleepwalking for the last couple years, which sonambular disorders are tied to stress levels, all kinds of things. And for someone to suddenly stop, like start sleepwalking, that's something you should probably see a doctor about if it if you were never a sleepwalker before. And then all of a sudden it starts happening. It's weird that this came up on cult podcast like a couple weeks ago, too. But um, Mike Birbiglia, if you're not familiar. Yeah, Sleepwalk With Me. Is a comedian and he has a special called Sleepwalk With Me because he has a very severe sleepwalking disorder. Yeah. That got worse as he got older, but to the point where he walked out a second story window and yeah. almost died. And so those are things to take seriously, um, especially when they're seemingly developing later in life that's like another like dementia can cause sleepwalking and things like that too yeah so anyway she also reveals that he left a note and she brought it with her to the bar which i i loved it yeah so like this scene i talked about this last week with the his house episode where like i used humor and stuff to like not really mm -hmm. deal with how I felt about it. And that's sort of what she does in this scene. Cause she is sort of like laughing and like making jokes that are like terrible jokes and you shouldn't make, but like right. it is to diffuse the situation and to like protect yourself from having to feel real emotions about it. And I think she really wanted to talk about it. And yeah. that guy was like, well, do you know why he did it? Did he leave a note? And she's like, yeah, here it is. Yep. And then like, I wanted to tell him if you didn't want to play with the big dogs, you should have stayed on, on that porch. porch. Todd, what uh, do you think that note meant, Mikey? <laughs> like that was the suicide note? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the porch was the suicide note. Yeah. Shh. Correct me if I'm wrong. Notes are not as common as people think with suicide. They're not as common as what people think. Uh, suicide can be very impulsive. Yeah. Honestly, it's one of the pre like the more planned out. If like if someone is planning out a suicide attempt, that's a huge red flag because it's rarer. Usually, it's an impulse or a reaction to like acute trauma or something as bad as happened. But if you find someone, that's why giving away possessions or writing a will or like or writing a note or finding it are huge red flags because once people start preparing, that tells me it's very very serious. Yeah, uh, and I have read a lot of suicide notes. I'm sure it's like an occupational hazard. For lack of a better term, I've read a lot of suicide notes, not with like with attempt survivors or interrupted attempts or even after things are complete. Like, and this is kind of realistic of generally people think of how you think how you can misread a text. Yes. No suicide note to me has had like 
it does not give people closure. Well, it doesn't give the closure you think it would. I no, guess. and a lot of times it just raises more questions. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're they're rarely long, and they're rarely like very thought out. And again, the the longer they are, the more thought out they are. If they're typed, like if you if you sign onto a computer and see your loved one has typed a suicide note and it's saved, that is a that is something you should talk to them about, and they may have to get help with. But I thought it was very realistic. Of like, I don't know what this means. I I don't know what happened because like a lot of people will just scribble something down in their impulsive moment in their suicidal crisis and that may make sense to a person right but that might not even make sense to your significant other or it's just like i couldn't handle the pain and people are like well what pain it could be emotional it could be physical you know there's just it, it it's something that is taboo and it is hard to talk about and people want to rationalize it they want to blame it on other things they want to do a lot of things with suicide but suicide is never going to make sense well it's it's unique to that one person's exactly. feeling and pain yeah, yeah. i like the scene because one i thought it was funny and two i thought the note was more realistic i was like oh he wrote a note it's stuff i can recognize but i don't really know what he meant by it yeah well and and this i think for me lends more credence to it's all in her head Mm -hmm. is that she ascribes a, a meaning and a belief and thoughts to that note yeah that only really makes sense to her like because the note just says you were right there is nothing nothing is after you you're safe now but that could mean any number of things because is it could it could be you're right there's nothing nothing is after you like nothing is chasing you you're safe now but in the con in her context it could mean nothing the literal like personification of death nothingness is after you and you're safe now because i've killed myself so i won't kill you like she extrapolates but there's really not much to that note to be honest yeah so uh, her friend takes her home and is like i'll stay here until you fall asleep um because she's like i don't like that you're here alone and drinking and all of this yeah um but this is where she tells her that she has had a near-death experience now i am one of those people who both believes that there's something after death that we can't possibly know about it's kind of a choose your own adventure and hope you're right but also b doesn't believe in near-death experiences like when people are like i saw it and i came back i think that's your brain reacting to stimuli (laughs) so i don't know this is one of those things where she's like there was nothing there and i'm like who's to say (laughs) haven't they proven that it is your brain reacting to stimuli like dmt creates the same sensation as a near-death experience which is why i want to do dmt or try it yeah uh, it, it's one of those things where there's been a lot of studies and, and a lot of people are, are very tied to their near death experience beliefs where they're like, I swear I saw, you know, the people I love in heaven and all those things. It's like, yeah, but your brain also knows those people, <laughs> you know, like, you know, your brain is experiencing a very traumatic event. Like it's going to throw a bunch of stuff at you. Yeah. It's one of those things where you can't prove it or I mean, disprove it with science. I mean, like it's like very unlikely because like you have all these things physiologically going on with you. We can't be like, I definitively know that you did not do that. It's hard yeah. for people to hear that. It's it's because it feels so real to them. Well, and I have faith. Maybe some people have seen some shit. I don't know. Yeah, UFOs who knows? are real. So who the hell knows? I feel like it doesn't exclude me from believing that there's something after. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that there's a physiological explanation for what people see when they have near death experiences. This is the only story that gave me credence to their story because like they were kind of a dick and then like mm-hmm. they like died for a little bit and they're like. I went to hell, so I have to change how I am. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, I was like, oh, damn, dude. But I think that could also be someone, I mean, and those experiences change people regardless. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. But like how shitty of a 
like endocrine system do you have that when DMT releases in your brain that you go to fucking hell? Hey, you could have like any DMT trip is a toss up. You could have a good one. You could have a bad one. And your body has all of the same chemicals to make that happen. So like, who knows? And it could have been underlying guilt that that person felt before. Yeah. And, you know, like comes to the surface because they're like, I'm dying. It's kind of like that scene in almost I think it's almost famous where it looks like the plane's about to crash. And so the guy comes out and he's like, I'm gay. And then the plane like recorrects and he's like, never oh, mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's kind of like that, too, where it's like when you're really faced with like, oh, my God, I might not be here anymore. You make different choices than when you complacently think that you could still be here forever. Yeah. Or you just are dealing with the fact that, you know, you will not be here forever when the majority of your life you've been in denial about the fact that you will die. Yeah. But if you look at the suicide note, not to refocus us back on the movie, Mm -hmm. but if you look at that suicide note, knowing later in the movie, she's referring to death as nothing. Like the note says you were right. There is nothing. So like, it is a thing. Nothing is after you. So like that is after her. And then I guess by him completing suicide and tricking quote unquote death or the nothing, it's not going to be able to find her. So my interpretation is wildly different of the note, which is there is nothing which he was a man of faith she talks about this he had all these beliefs you think that it's his depression yes like i don't believe there's anything out there there is nothing you were right there is nothing after you so like after you die there is nothing so you think he lost faith before this movie and that's what drove him to complete suicide i think you had depression i think that's a very possible explanation for what actually happened but the movie doesn't tell us it does because- yeah. the, the movie throws it up but you can very easily take yes with her conversational context clues of like this is how you can also logic out that note well and i think there's there's little breadcrumbs in this movie that indicate what could have maybe actually happened versus what we're seeing and you kind of put the pieces together. So we've got a sonambular disorder. So he's sleepwalking, which could mean depression, extreme stress, uh, some sort of reaction to medication, like a lot of things that could push someone chemically more towards that depressive side. Um, and if this is a conversation they had had and in his depressive state, maybe was questioning the beliefs that he held that could very easily lead someone to make a choice like this. Uh, So I think that's a very realistic potential timeline for what happened. But I think that's maybe the one she doesn't want to accept. Yes. And that's why she is kind of living in this much more fantastical timeline where uh, she's living in the the most serious Final Destination movie. Right. The <laughs> Owen I know would never do that. The Owen I know would never. It's got to be a demon that he's murdering people to right. protect me for. Because that's always, the, no one wants to think that a person they loved was in so much pain that they made that choice. But the reality is every person gets a vote. Some people are going to make choices that you don't understand right. or agree with. And sometimes so you will never know it. why they did. Yeah, that's why I loved it, because that is really something that is not talked about a lot with suicide losses. Just like sometimes there is no why. Right. You know, it, it, and, or never it, a why that you will understand because you weren't that person. You weren't in their brain. Like, oh, maybe he got a diagnosis that said he had terminal. Like there, that when anybody famous completes suicide, they throw that out there. of Like maybe he got a terminal illness. diagnosis. This sounds terrible. That's one of the few times that I'm like, no, I get it. Yeah. Same. Like. 
Like, like I was very sad about Robin Williams, but like sort of understand on a very sad level. Like, yeah, I mean, that would not have been my choice, but I don't begrudge him for making that choice. Like as someone who has not had suicidal tendencies, that's not been a part of my mental health history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could very easily see if I got a diagnosis like that. That's the thing that would make me do it. That is kind of why I appreciated the Judds, where they were like, she died in her battle with mental illness. And you're like, yeah. no, I mean, uh, that like most people don't come out and say that they, they just don't yeah. come out and say that. I think we are as a society moving in a direction where people are more comfortable talking about it. So like when you bring up the Judds, yeah, I do feel like if it had happened 10 years ago, they probably wouldn't have said that. Right. But I do yeah. love that they were honest about it. And they were like, listen, yeah. it's something that our mother has struggled with for a very long time. And she just lost the battle with her mental illness. And, you know, it's something that we should be able to talk about more. And it's like such a heart wrenching and very sad thing to like witness people talking about it. Yeah. But I do feel like it's beneficial for society to, to hear that and to see that and to understand that. A hundred percent. It's just shame is a feeling that that survivors feel shame yeah. that their loved one did that because there's that taboo of like they were weak or you know this make maybe it was my fault or like and like people like to blame themselves or maybe there's something i could have done to have stopped it but the reality is maybe you couldn't have like exactly it's no offense it's not your responsibility to force other people to live like i understand the impulse of trying to help and you want to mm -hmm. try and help people as much as possible but sometimes you fail and I'm not saying that's okay, but you can't feel guilty about it. If you look at depression as a medical problem mm. and suicidal thoughts as a symptom of severe depression, like stage four cancer level of depression, the, it's just not, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Like that, that, right. that sort of serious mental illness exists. Yeah. Absolutely. It does. That's, yeah. And I love how the judge handled it because they were like, we're not ashamed. This is what happened. It was a tragedy, but it was, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure this is a very serious conversation. Uh, but tragedy is great. You know, the thing is, Paige, that's actually what they said when in the interview. Like Mikey no. was just quoting them correctly. No, it was not. It was no, they they are very <laughs> eloquent and well spoken. Mikey is yes. not so much. <laughs> I I'm like, them people did some stuff. I, we gotta do it. Mental health, man, I don't even know. Oh, I like <laughs> Like, we got to get you to the hospital because depression is a big dog. and We got to get off the porch and go fight. <laughs> I do think if I ever do write a note like that, it's going to be in the format of a big dog T-shirt. We just got to roll up some Zoloft and some bacon strips and make it. Make it do. <laughs> Zoloft, 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 Zoloft. <laughs> Big ahead. Yeah, 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 exactly. Anyway, back to this movie. Uh, this is the scene where she is talking to her friend about uh, her previous near-death experience where she was in a car accident and she was dead for four minutes, but then came back. Um, and she says that there was nothing there. And the only person she ever told was Owen. And he disagreed with her. He didn't believe in her story, essentially, where she says there's nothing. He says, I still believe there's something, even though I understand that this is what you experienced and felt. I feel different. And so she takes his note as admitting that she was right yeah but then she's going to take that a lot further as the movie goes but as she's falling asleep the stereo goes off and again she feels like he's there so she goes outside yeah she's got a flashlight and she sees women running through the forest multiple women and they appear to jump right over the cliff near her house it's terrifying 
one of them runs past her Tony Collette style. Like yeah. that scene in Hereditary where she runs out of that corner. It's like that. And I was just like, oh, just out of the dark of the forest, just like speeds past her. But it turns out it was a bachelorette winning out at a local Airbnb. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like if their neighbor oh. like doesn't live there, but like is there to like maintain it every day, like that makes sense to me. <laughs> Those girls running his cabin for a you know bachelorette party, they got too heavily into the absinthe and like dodo bird off the cliff. absinthe. This is how I know you don't drink. Doesn't absinthe make you hallucinate? Uh, the traditional bachelorette party drink. Absolutely. Oh, I just picked the first alcohol I could remember that made you hallucinate. <laughs> so classic absinthe that contained wormwood would have had a much higher alcohol parts per volume, essentially. And so some people would claim that you could hallucinate on it because there were poisonous things in it. Modern day absinthe does not. It just tastes like licorice. Uh, so it's not very commonly drank. Now, I will say I am two for two for taking women to the absinthe bar. Are, are you really? See, I would go to an absinthe bar because I'm curious. I don't like the taste of licorice, though. But I absinthe has like a whole thing where it's you don't just like pour it in a bottle. And it's yeah, you like you've got like the cube, spoon and the sugar your, cube. It's like a whole thing. You got your opium. You got to smoke in the other room. It's like right, a whole right, deal. Right. Yeah. It's a whole deal. Um, so as she's hallucinating, we can still kind of hear her friend's voice calling for her. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming she's still talking to her while she's asleep. And this is a dream. Yeah, because she fell asleep on the, the lady from Barry. I don't know her name, but she's a great actress. Yeah. But she fell asleep on her lap, literally. Right. So she makes her way down the dock to the boat uh, that's covered in blood, folded clothes with like a plastic sheeting. So like he planned the whole thing out. Yeah. And she turns to look at the dock and there's bloody footprints behind her. And he seems to be there and she seems to be able to like reach out and touch him, even though it's invisible. Yeah. Um, but she feels him touch her cheek. This scene right here where she is on the dock with the flashlight and it's like building tension, building tension, building tension. And there is no real jump scare. Like this was so tense for me. It was super yeah. scary. Yeah. And then when she reaches out to touch who she thinks is her husband's ghost or whatever, she actually just like like passes out and wakes up in the boat, I guess. She passes out into the boat and it, it essentially moves across the lake and at this point i was just like mosquitoes at the yang like oh yeah like bats would be like swooping down and snatching them off her skin there'd be so many it'd be like <laughs> the worst but the boat seems to traverse the lake under a red spicy moon yeah uh she gets out on the other side and climbs ashore and this is where she sees the other house however in this dream or in this hallucination the house is fully built and she yes. sees Owen, her husband, with another woman in the house. But she realizes that it's a woman that kind of looks like her. But she watches as the woman kind of freaks out. She runs up to the front of the house. The numbers on the address are backwards. Yes, they are. Uh, she retrieves a hide key. She walks into the house and sees herself asleep on the couch where she then wakes up and goes to shut the front door. So that's what made me think. I was like, are we dealing with different dimensions? Like, what is happening? Yeah, well, it sort of seems that way because she does open the door. We clearly see her opening the door. Right. And then we see her waking up because the door was open. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it, I understand why you thought that, Paige. It was very, like, yeah. it hinted at that at least. Right. Not me. I was like, oh, this is one of them PTSD mental health uh, horror movies. I mean, it definitely is. Yeah. So everything 
thing is kind of where she left it the night before. The glasses, the she's drinking brandy and a bunch of other stuff. But she pulls out Owen's computer and logs in and pulls up the photos, uh, specifically the one of the woman that she doesn't recognize. And there's like variant files of a bunch of different women and they all kind of look like her. Yeah. But they also definitely all look like the women she saw in her hallucination the night before. Yeah. If that's the worst thing she finds on his computer's hidden picture folder. When, when, well, we'll get to it in the next scene, but the, the neighbor hints that he had some, some dark urges. And I was like, please don't let it be children. Just like, you know, there are, there are real bad things you could find on a computer that could somehow only get you 12 years in prison. Yeah, I think his dark urges were just like, he likes to hit it and to quit it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. That's not that dark of an urge. I wouldn't call that dark, personally. It's a dark urge if you set his character up like they set it up of like a religious person with a lot of faith who's deeply in love with her. Yeah, I, I don't think they set him up as an overly religious person, just a person who believes there's something after. Yeah, I, they didn't even mention that he's like Christian or anything. I mean, yeah. he could just believe there is an afterlife and be non-denominational. Yeah. I, I think they set it up where like he was, Owen was so devoted to you all the time and like he loved no one but you and like, I think his dark urges were like, I want some like different, I want some strange. I feel like there's a reading of this movie that he, he could have been that, like, that that could have been the reality and that the only real verified air quotes cheating attempt is the girl in the bookstore if the bodies aren't real if any of this is not real mm-hmm. yeah i mean if the bodies aren't real and none of that's real the only thing that we know is real is that he i guess you could say he did cheat on her because they kissed they but, kissed, and it could yeah. have gone further but they stopped and he drove her home and he felt bad about it from what it seems like right so yeah well and I also think it's it's not insignificant to to note that he picked people that looked like her I mean he has a type page I don't know people have no, I get I get that but it's more than just a type like that girl especially in passing you actively confuse her for his wife like in that picture in the bookstore I was like yeah, that's her. Oh, me too. I, I was like, that's definitely you, honey. Yeah. yeah you and know? it's not. I mean, it, it, we see in that picture set you were just talking about, like, it definitely isn't her. But how many people have been cheated on for a younger version of themselves? I don't even think she's that much younger. That Like, that's the thing that I was kind of grappling with is like, she's a little younger, but not wildly younger. Like, you know, it's, it's not a case of like, she's in amazingly better shape or wildly better looking or anything like that. So that was kind of a weird sticking point for me of it doesn't, there's a, a very realistic narrative of what could have happened that she's ignoring in favor of her kind of delusion. And that's the one piece that doesn't quite fit in that narrative. And you need it for her delusion for the bodies but it i don't know that it kind of it doesn't super work for me story-wise if this is in her head yeah and i wish there wasn't ambiguity about that unless it's completely a dream and she never came to the house okay oh yeah I think she did come. I was well, like, we don't know. We have no idea. It's nighttime at the house. Pretty much anything that happens after dark in that house, you can't trust. Yeah. Just like my house. <laughs> so there is definitely a reading of she never came to the house. That never happened. Her only interaction with her is in the bookstore where the girl's like, I never kissed your husband. Like we went for drinks once. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't do any of this. And that could be the split. I like that. That could be. Yeah. Anyway. So she later that day goes walking in the woods trying to find the house on the other side of the lake. She runs into her neighbor and tells him what she's look like she's looking for. And he's like, no, and you should go home. But she doesn't. Yeah. And she sees a mark in a tree. She walks towards it and she finds a half built 
house. It's only partially built and it is the reverse of her house. And she goes through and there's not much there. The house is not built, but she finds like a bucket with a sculpture in it. And the floorboard creaks as she kind of walk towards it, walks towards it. Yeah. She thinks she hears footsteps, so she grabs the sculpture and leaves. She goes to her neighbor's house and confronts him with it. Now, this is the other thing of like, she finds this sculpture. This sculpture exists. Yes, it does. Because she brings it back with her. Yes. And confronts the neighbor with it. Yeah. And so that exists, but we have no telling like what that's about or what it means. But she confronts him with like, there's a second house. What was he building? And the neighbor doesn't even admit that there's another house. He just says that, like, I saw him wandering in the woods. He was kind of muddy. He had a woman with him. But he told me not to tell you. I I thought it was you. And then it wasn't you. So this is, again, one of those things where it's like, well, maybe he did bring the other girl there. Like, is that even the same woman? Who knows who it is or what it is? Yeah. Nobody knows. But this is where he comes and confesses that he has shameful urges. And the neighbor's like, I didn't ask him what they were. But... He, he's like, I didn't want to tell you because everything seemed good after, but I was wrong, clearly. And he's like, you should not be hurting yourself by digging into this, basically. Like, you should take some time to rest and relax and maybe never dig into this. Like, who knows? Yeah. Like, he's dead. What are you going to do? But instead, she goes home. She dumps out all the stuff. She finds the gun and she finds one of his books. And it's... It has, and I'm probably going to mispronounce the shit out of this, Caerdroia, C-A-E-R-D-R-O-I-A. But it is uh, in relation to labyrinths. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit in fun facts. Yeah, I've only ever read that rune, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she does find like a drawing of the doll and a photo of an older version of the doll and references to mazes to distract dark forces and thinks she hears footsteps upstairs. She goes upstairs and then grabs a bottle and investigates, I think, the basement. This is another case of, like, you're not sure where she is in the house, but this is where she sees there's a column and a door behind that looks like the shadows form a man. Yes. It's very, very cool. It's cool. They use this one specifically a lot later on. Yeah. And she thinks she hears him. She drops the bottle, but he's gone. And she tracks down the bookstore where he bought the book because it's stamped in that book and another book. And it's in Utica, New York. So she drives out there, tries to ask them questions about the book, but it's like an old timey bookstore (laughs) where they like don't keep records. Right. She was like, can you tell me what other books my husband's bought? And he's like, no, I have no way to do that. I'm so sorry. He actually does seem like he's trying to be helpful, but he just can't do what she's asking. Yeah. Well, and and this sounds terrible. When you find a good bookstore like this, the key is to become a regular customer there and then like get recommendations from the people who are there all day, every day. Yeah. 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 So like that's how you, like that's the the romance bookstore I go to now. Oh, you mean the ripped bodice? The ripped bodice, Culver City, California. Uh, (laughs) I can ask them for recommendations and they'll be like, they'll bring me back like six books and be like, these are all going to probably fit what you're asking for. Yeah. And they're actually really great about it. I kind of, I love that store. It's wonderful. Anyway, they have no records. Yeah. But she does recognize that bookshelf and she goes through the aisles and then recognizes a girl who works there as the girl in the photo. Yeah. Except her hair is up in a ponytail. Yeah. Yes. Now... Here's the other thing. Todd, you've been with Natalie for a long time. I've been with Jake for a long time. Uh, Have you ever seen someone out that looks like your significant other and are like, oh my God, that looks just like you and snap a picture and send it to your significant other? 
Uh, I have not, but I do think if I ran into someone that looked a lot like her, I probably would. So this happened to me once where I was out with my family. Like I had gone to visit my family for something and we were at some like, I want to say it was like the pirate show in like near Disneyland, like they're okay. kind of uh-huh. kind of like a medieval times or whatever. Nice. Uh, and there was one of the guys that was clearly one of the like rigging guys, like one of the strong set mover dudes. Yes. Looked exactly yeah. like Jake. Like they could have been related. And we absolutely snapped photos and then sent them to Jake. To yeah, be yeah. Like, it looks just like you. There was a part of me that wondered if that's why he took this photo. Like it doesn't explain all the other photos, but. It looks so much like her that I was like, maybe that's why he took it. Maybe that explains what's happening. Yeah. Anyway, she confronts the girl and the girl is like, I think you knew my husband. Biblically. (laughs) Biblically. And this girl is just like, "Uh, I think you knew my husband. By the way, he's dead. Suicide. Yeah. Like she's trying to make her feel bad. Definitely. But this girl is like, I... I didn't sleep with your husband. Uh, I barely knew him. He it was first base. It was like an HJ. Not even. <laughs> not even that. Yeah. Not even because in this scene, she's just like. Well, that's the implication he, of drinks, right? Not necessarily. No. no. I, I would say in this scene, what she says is he came in a couple times a year. One time he came in, we talked a little bit longer. We had drinks. That was it. Yeah. That's, she even that's owns the, to the fact that they flirted a little bit and they went and got drinks. And that she would have had sex with him, but it never got to that. It never got to that. It never came up. Yeah. And and so this is, depending on whether or not you believe she comes to the house later, if you don't think she does, then I think that this is just a girl who got blindsided by a lady in a bookstore. Yes. And the the other half of it is in Beth's mind. Could be. Anyway. We cut to Beth kind of explaining what has happened to her coworker, her friend who's always coming over and whatever. Uh, Claire, I think her name is. Yeah. And she's like, well, if they were fucking, that makes more sense to me. Like if he was just cheating on me, that makes more sense than not. And all these books. And then he murdered eight women to confuse death. To yes. Not come get me. <laughs> yeah. I, I would yeah. say cheating does make more sense than that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And her friend is just like, first of all, there is no need <laughs> to be digging right? into this. Like, yeah. even if he did cheat on you, why do you want to remember that? Like, who's who's to argue with your memory of him at yeah. this point? He's gone. He can't explain himself. And And her friend even says she kind of argues for the more direct interpretation of he was depressed and that's why it happened and you're trying to ascribe more info to this than is necessary and she kind of was like i don't believe her i don't believe you i don't believe anything yeah they're like okay that's a approach <laughs> yeah and when she essentially says like maybe you're right maybe i'll i'll take some time alone and, and go stay at a hotel or whatever i'll see you later she goes back home uh drinks heavily once she gets there yeah. and this is where the girl from the bookstore supposedly shows up yeah because she's downstairs and you hear a knocking like isn't this where she's like yeah I'm leaving tonight, so if you want to talk to me, say something. And then you hear the knocking at the door, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And she goes up there and then opens the door because no one's there. And then that's when she sees the girl outside, which I think leads me to believe that she's not really there. Yeah, maybe she's not there. The only thing that really is incongruous with that is her conversation with the neighbor who says that he saw her husband with a woman. That is true, yeah. But here's the thing. We also 
don't know who that woman was. True. For all we know, it's a, a friend. It's somebody coming to check out the second house, if there even is a second house. Like, yeah. who knows? Uh, but this whole scene, the girl from the bookstore explains, like, nothing happened. Like, we, we didn't have sex, but we did go out for drinks. And then he came and picked me up for, like, a day. We kissed. He showed me the second house. Yeah. And things kind of started to get a little physical, and he started choking me. And that's not something I'm into. So I kind of freaked out and then everything stopped. And he took me home is basically what she says. Yeah. And it seems like and maybe I read this differently. It seems like she I forget her name. Lady from the bookstore did not fear for her life when he was choking her. Yes. It was more like a sexual thing, like a 365 thing. Yes. Maybe he likes some stuff she wasn't into. Well, and I think that's in this scene. It seems like that's how she's interpreting it. Yeah. But that's not how Beth is interpreting right. it. And and in, in part, that may be because Beth has had a different sexual experience with him and that's not part of it. Sure. And that could be a way to read the conversation with the neighbor where he says dark urges that he didn't feel like he could share with you. Maybe it is a sexual BDSM thing yeah. and he misread signals with the girl at the bookstore. But that is how the, the girl at the bookstore is explaining it as like things got physical he made a move it's not something i'm into it may be uncomfortable we stopped he took me home yeah beth is reading this as he was going to murder her yes yeah but in reality he put on his tony the tiger costume <laughs> you can't choke people with fur gloves on page you can't page you definitely can't <laughs> Because he was like, if you let me choke you, that'd be great. But that's why you have to talk about it. Yeah, you got to communicate like Tony the Tiger your sexual like needs. like Tony the Tiger. The shapes, the flakes will confuse it. What? The demon. Demons hate frosted flakes, Paige. This yeah. is like base level demonology stuff. I mean, I do too. It's a shit cereal. Like. You could have Fruit Loops or Lucky. Oh, fuck. I should get some Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms. That sounds fucking amazing. Anyway, so the girl leaves. And so Beth continues to drink and then goes out to the other house on the other side of the lake and is yelling about it. Like, I talked to her. I know what's up. Come and get me. She drops her flashlight and then she kind of steps through a wet board on the floor and she looks down and there's multiple dead bodies down there. Yeah, they're in trash bags, but you see like a hand. Like it's clear they're dead bodies. Right. She rushes back to the house. She calls her best friend and is like, I found something I shouldn't have found. And I'm like, you should be calling this into the to the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> Not your best friend, but whatever. But she then says like, I know my husband and I don't think he would have done this. I don't know. I don't even know if it's real or not. Right. I wish you were here and I wish that it were morning. And she sets the phone down without hanging up, which I think is interesting. And I think that's probably why her friend comes so quickly the next day. So she gets in the shower. The sound system comes on. So she immediately gets out of the shower because that's like her signal that he's around. Yeah. Well, and it plays that same song. Mm hmm. Yeah. And she's calling out to try and talk to him. She doesn't see him. Um, and she finally like breaks down. And for the first time in this movie that we see really allows herself to like cry and grieve. Yeah. For a moment. And when she opens her eyes here is written on the fog of the mirror. Yeah. 
It's some Candyman shit. It is. I did not love this. It was scary. Well, th- this next section is like they've there's some scares sprinkled through the front. And then this section is pretty scary, pretty rough. Yeah. Because she wipes the glass, but only sees herself. Then she turns around and sees wet footprints, which, by the way, could have been her own because she just got out of the shower. But whatever. Very true. Yeah. Um, but she thinks she sees him in the shadows and reaches out to touch him. And this is something they did that was really cool. I love the way they showed the touching, yeah. man. I yeah. loved it. So definitely, good. It's definitely like glass or something, but you're seeing the depressions in her fingers. And then you're seeing her skin kind of depress as what uh, essentially our invisible hands are like running their way up her like arms like caressing her her. yeah like holding her i mean she is like pleading for her husband to hold her i called it though when she's like is it really you and i i said to the tv no before it said it i was like i knew it well but not before because it like it's caressing her and then it pushes her back into the bathroom up against the sink in a very sexual way oh i was like is she about to get that ghost dick yeah yeah she's about to get that ghost dick ectoplasm know what i'm saying yes and this is when she asks owen no i'm not owen and she freaks the fuck out as she should. should and it locks her in the bathroom and through the mirror she watches as owen essentially murders a different woman by smashing her up against the mirror right because he loves his wife right mikey <laughs> that's true love if you truly love something <laughs> murder eight people to prove it to them and they'll come back yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, if you really love something, murder eight people to prove your love and get off the porch. Yeah, big if you didn't want to get off the porch and murder eight people, you can't <laughs> run with the big dogs. Exactly. And have true love. Exactly. Oh my God. Anyway, ghost, the ghost Owen, not Owen, nothing. I believe it's pronounced no win page. <laughs> <laughs> The ghost Owen breaks in and strangles her and smashes her head against the mirror. Yeah. And in the shattered mirror, it looks like a fractured version of Owen sees her before murdering that woman against the mirror, like slamming her head one last time. Um, But after she breaks the mirror, the doors open. So she crawls out into the bedroom and all of the women around her that we've seen in the woods and everything are like, you got to hide. you got to hide. And they're like crawling under the bed and in the closet. It's very creepy. Yeah. Um, and she watches Owen murder another woman, like strangle her to death. Yeah. She mm-hmm. runs through the house and in different rooms of the house, she's seeing him either murdering women or just after murdering women, crying over their like bloody bodies. Like it's clearly like messing him up. Okay. okay. Take the murder part out. Okay. okay. How do you get eight women to come back to your house? At once or individually? <laughs> individually. But then later, when you get off the porch at once. Mikey's just really looking for dating tips, Paige, is what he's saying. I give Mikey dating tips all the time, and Mikey doesn't take my dating tips. You know who does take tips? I take the tip. That's how this Whoa. works. But not Mikey's tip. One specific no. tip. Yeah. Yeah. The one that I got by being good at dating. You should take my advice. Listen, Paige, I know you're good at dating because you snagged a Jake. Yep. But like, I don't want Mikey to take your advice because I love his stories. <laughs> I, I, had to get, I had to get off the apps just because everyone there is like pretty much justifiably murdering eight people for to love someone. <laughs> like, 
Who comes out on their profile and is like, I don't believe in dinosaurs. That was the craziest one. That was the craziest one. I could not believe that. I was like, oh, that's really funny. They're just old rocks. Oh, she's serious. I literally had an argument with a woman because she thought that dinosaurs didn't exist, that God put them here as a test. I've I've heard that from a couple people that either God put them here or the devil put them here as a test. And I'm like, I know. I literally told to her, I'm not allowed to have conversations this stupid anymore. And I left. <laughs> I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard someone say. If someone comes at me, I'd be like, of course, dinosaurs are real. Have you not seen Jurassic Park? <laughs> Dino DNA. Oh, um, love that. What What is something that someone could tell you was not real and you'd be like i'd excuse this oh no. the state of delaware dinosaurs <laughs> okay first off delaware doesn't exist it's just east maryland east maryland yeah delaware is like east maryland county like it should not be its own state delaware nowhere <laughs> yeah exactly what if someone was like if you put sausage in a taco it is a Sausage taco, but if a sausage tastes like a taco, it is a taco sausage. I cannot, uh, I cannot reopen these taco wounds. Those are just rocks. They don't <laughs> exist. God put taco sausage on Earth as a test. <laughs> That's such an inside joke. Oh my god, yo! If you haven't heard the half of it episode on Romance in the Pod. It goes weird places. Like all of our episodes don't go to weird places. <laughs> that is true. I had a fleeting memory of, and maybe this got edited out of an episode, of me saying that Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorite Disney movies, which it is, and it devolving into you guys saying that I would date anyone who gave me a library and choked me a little bit. <laughs> Did that make the edit? Paige, that definitely made the half of it episode. <laughs> yeah. I edited that section today and I left that section in. Paige. Tony the Tiger could 69 you and choke you at the same time. I don't want this. <laughs> I, I, I don't want this at all. He's definitely going to murder me for his reverse house. We weren't. No, please stop. Ladies and gentlemen, Nicki Minaj or whoever the fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Missy fucking Elliot. Misdemeanor Missy Elliot. You will put respect on her name. If I can remember it, sure. I actually don't believe that she exists. Oh my God, I can't. Much like the state of Delaware, I think yeah. Missy Elliott is just East Maryland. No. Missy Elliott is a test from God. <laughs> to, see if, to see if we can withstand her awesomeness? Maybe, yes. Spoiler alert, the late 90s, early 2000s could not. Oh. Anyway, as she makes her way through the house, in one of the rooms, it's Christmas for some reason, which my new thing is anytime it's Christmas in a movie is shouting, is this a Christmas movie? It makes yes. me laugh so, because 365 2 is a Christmas movie. Hell oh, yeah. In. Hell I'm yeah. All in. We, we got to do 365 2 at Christmas time. <laughs> they, Hell they yeah. Have, they have a mafia Christmas and they end up just like tonguing each other at the table for their whole family. It's the fucking weirdest shit I've ever seen. You just don't understand their culture, okay? <laughs> I'm Italian. <laughs> it's a me, a page. I'm Italian. I'm an Italy. That's what she said that one time. <laughs> I'm an Italy. I'm, I'm an Italy. Italy. <laughs> Somebody made, made a meme of that. I know, I saw, I loved it. Uh, anyway, this is where, in this Christmas scene, he's got her on the couch, and it's it implies that at, this is like a memory, maybe that she had repressed or whatever, or is just living rent-free in her brain for this hallucination. 
that he tried to choke her on Christmas while she was like sleeping in his lap. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was like, you've been a naughty girl this year. <laughs> You're getting cold, but also this dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh God. But this is like this version of Owen kind of explains to her like, I am what you felt when your heart stopped. I am nothing. And I've been chasing you this entire time. And I started whispering in his ear. And in order to stop me, basically, like, I kept asking for him to kill you. So instead, he killed all these other people and gave them to me. He was tricking me. But when he couldn't trick me any longer, that's when he unfortunately took his own life yeah i figured it's because the cops were closing in and he was about to get arrested for eight murders so yeah they're like he made this one lady eat so much chef boyardee that she burst and i'm like no i did that (laughs) voluntarily but you know who helped him set up those murders professor boyardee boyardee yeah he's nothing (laughs) he's the nothing All of the uh, like silhouettes of a man in this movie have a chef <laughs> hat. Chef hat. Uh, <laughs> it, it should actually it should be the SpaghettiOs O, and the O just represents <gasps> the void. Hell yes. Anyway, she wakes up on the couch in this kind of scene, and the shadow is holding her where Owen would be. But what it is is the way that the ceiling and the like stairs of the house move. It like looks like a head so it looks like the shadow is holding her down it's so good she gets into like an invisible man shadow fight and it's holding her up in place in the shape of the statue she sees two moons one spicy one regular and we cut to the next morning where her friend is pulling up to her house to be like some shit went down i need to check on her and she's looking for her everywhere and can't find her yeah uh, but she does see that the mirror is smashed. There's a lot of chaos around the house. And we cut back to Beth's view, which is now her in the boat with her husband naked. I'm not sure why he's naked. Oh, I think because he took his clothes off before he shot himself. He did. You actually see him. I think he puts the note on the clothes that are folded next to him. Yeah. Yes. Um, But we can hear her friend calling for her through the hallucination. But essentially, the hallucination of her husband in the boat is trying to convince her to take her own life yeah and her friend sees what's going on dives out into the lake pulls her out of the boat although pulls her out as beth seems to kind of make the own her own choice not to do it because she kind of lowers the gun but beth and mel the neighbor pull her up onto the dock and they're like hey we've got you you're safe now there's nothing there it's fine but as she looks out into the boat we see through the shadows of the waves we see that there is like a shadow figure in the boat and, and that's, that's the, movie. the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about The Night House? I do like it. I do have questions about some of the story stuff that I think maybe one or two scenes could have fixed. Yeah. But it wasn't enough to ruin the movie for me because I did enjoy it. And I yeah. liked talking about it, definitely. It's definitely one of those movies where I want to like read an interview with the director yeah. To kind of see the vision or whatever. For me, it's one of those movies where I wish I didn't have to read an interview with the director. I wish they had just completed their movie in such a way that makes it makes more sense. Like, I feel the same way about Donnie Darko. Like, I get the vision of Donnie Darko would have been cool if they had executed it in a way that, like, is understandable on a first watch. I'm not opposed to a deep dive on a movie. I feel the same way with Ex Machina, where I think there's, like, tons of stuff to kind of dig into and, like, talk about. So I'm not opposed to that. I think for me, one or two 
changes to scenes would have made it definitive for me and then it would have been a thought-provoking conversation of why do you think they represented it in this way i don't think the ambiguity ruins it though because i think it promoted an interesting discussion here about is it in her head is it not what actually happened so i kind of like that about it yeah i really love that last scene though when her friend shows up and like sees the broken mirror and runs outside and like jumps in the lake yeah to go get her And like literally pulls her out of the trance, pulls her into the water and then saves her and brings her out. And then when they're looking back over the dock, they see the nothing in the reflection of the lake. Mm -hmm. Well, she sees it. Yes. It's such a well done movie. It was very scary and like does sort of hit some emotional stuff that I would rather not revisit the week after we did his house. But like, I understand why people think this is a good movie. This is a good movie. I'll never watch it again, but I feel the same way about his house. I do feel like his house is a little better, but this is also really good. I think his house balances their story and their metaphor a little bit better than this does. That's why I think it's a little bit better. However, I would absolutely watch this again because I would wonder if on a second watch, I would catch things that I missed. Sure. That would help solve the mystery yeah yeah no i mean i think the metaphor works i I, when when the ending first happened and it kind of cuts i was like oh i hate this i hate this ending yeah and then i started like really processing the the movie and that's when i came to like my like what i thought the metaphor was what i really thought happened and things like that and then so then i was like well this movie's got me thinking about it days after i see it then maybe it is better than i thought it was Mm -hmm. You, you, you know what i mean yeah. yeah, I mean, I really do think the ending doesn't work awesome for a movie. It's not bad, but it doesn't work awesome, but it works amazingly for the metaphor. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, I sort of get it. That's cool. Whatever, man. That's awesome. Good for you guys for making the metaphor stick. Because some movies like have strong metaphorical messages and then don't stick the landing. I do feel like this one stuck it. Yeah. yeah. So Paige, you want to hit us with some fun facts? Yeah, very few fun facts. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Big, Big dog, dog fun facts. facts. Hell yeah. So very, very few fun facts. Uh, Real quick, as she's flipping through the photos on his phone, one of the first photos is of two men laughing. That's actually the film screenwriters. Uh, Luke, I'm going to butcher this last name. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Piotrowski and Ben Collins, uh, who met in high school. Yeah, and, Collins is hard to pronounce. Yeah, uh, they, met, <laughs> they met in high school and actually started writing together in college. Which oh, is, awesome. I feel like writing partners often meet in like college or near it or after when they're working on similar projects. It's very rare for people to have known each other that long and be writing together just because people change over time. Anyway, yeah. um, this did premiere at Sundance in 2020 and then it was withheld from release uh, because of COVID-19. This probably would have had a theatrical release if not for. Oh, that sucks. It's like the, the his house disorder. Actually, I do have box office for this. It was in theaters for eight weeks. Okay. Not full release though, right? No. Yeah, it was released a year and a half after it premiered. So it was actually yeah. released in like 2021. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to yeah. talk about that. But yeah, it did. So it, it like launched in 2020 and then it got a theater release in August of 2021. And we'll talk about that in box office. Yeah, because of COVID, Rebecca Hall, who's the lead in this film, who's been in a million things and is like, a, I think was a Bond girl at one point, if I remember correctly. She was also in Godzilla versus Kong. And because they hold this movie, they end up coming out literally months apart in 2021. Okay. Uh, so a And again, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, is a Welsh turf maze. So it's like a grass labyrinth, usually in a seven fold labyrinth design. 
uh, and they used to be created by shepherds on hilltops and they were the setting for ritual dances, but we don't have a ton of information about them because it was a long, long time ago. Um, in the bar scene where they're discussing the book that they've been assigned to read about inspiring their students, they make a reference to the Dead Poets Society about oh. standing on their chairs to change their lives. Yeah. And most, as, as I mentioned, most of the effects are practical. One of the few places where they use computer generation is at the very end uh, to make it look like there's a shadow guy in the boat. They just kind of darken some of the waves yeah. so your brain kind of fills in the rest yeah and those are your fun facts very cool well thank you for those fun facts page let's talk a little bit of box office but as page mentioned it did start streaming in 2020 but it did get a theatrical release on august 20th of 2021 it was in 2240 theaters which is a little over it's probably about two-thirds of the theaters in the U.S. Oh, and it was number eight in the theaters that week. It was beat by Free Guy, Paw Patrol, the movie, Jungle Cruise, Don't Breathe 2, and Respect were your top five. And then there were a few other movies. Then The Night House was number eight. What do you think it made in its opening? And big air quotes on the word opening there because it actually had been out for a year already but didn't get a theatrical release until 2021. So what, what did you think it made in its first weekend out in theaters? Um, I'm gonna say one million. Okay, I'm gonna say two million. Mikey, you're closer. It was two point eight million dollars, which I think is like really good for a movie that's already been out for a year streaming. Like, mm -hmm. do we have a budget for this? We don't, and I did look for it. Like, I could not find it anywhere. So let's talk about what it made total. So. Domestically, it brought in $7.1 million in the theatrical run. Internationally, it brought in 8.3, almost, honestly, almost 8.4 for a total of $15.5 million. Then that plus what it made on the streaming rights, I bet it made money. Like, I don't know what the budget yeah. was. I seriously doubt the budget was over $15 million. And then I don't know what HBO paid to be able to stream it, but I bet it was a good number of millions of dollars. Yeah. So I'm sure it made money. Yeah, because I was thinking about it in relation to like Invisible Man, which I, I this feels very Invisible Man ish to me, and that was like that. seven million. Yeah. Uh, so if you told me that this was like a seven to twelve million dollar movie, I'd believe you. That it's sounds about absolutely. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's probably about right. But that's your box office. So, Mike, you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, our scary scale listeners is scary is a scary scale that we have on one to ten. Yep. Of how scary we found the film when we watched it today. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige, what is your scale? Uh, this is a two for me. Two? Yeah, wow. this is a two for That's me. That's low. Okay. I, I was too impressed by the, how they were doing the depth of field with the shadow people to be scared by it. Like every time I saw it, I was like, fucking There was cool. a lot of jump scares. <laughs> yeah, there were some. I mean, I think the one that got me the worst was that girl running out of the shadows. Yes. yes. That got me the most. That's the worst for me in this movie because every other instance of like the shadow people or whatever, I was too, A, trying to solve the mystery and B, too preoccupied with how cool it looked the way they were doing it. So this did not scare me very much. I was like a two. It scared me. I'm going to give it a five. Dang. Okay. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to give it a four because I was very freaked out. Yeah. It it was scary, man. Like, I, I don't think it was quite as scary as his house, but it was scary. Well, that's our scary skill. Yeah. So this week, you guys made me watch The Night House. What movie are you going to make us all watch next week? So I wanted to pick an older, some would say lighter film for this. 
So we debated a couple of them. There's a lot of properties that we've only done one movie on that we can do series. So we're going to go back to Poltergeist and do Poltergeist 2, which is pretty good and scary. I'm excited. I've never seen Poltergeist 2. I've never seen Poltergeist 2 either, but we did Poltergeist. The original Poltergeist was episode four back when both of you guys sounded differently. Mm -hmm. And it was released on June 25th, 2018. So we haven't visited this franchise in a long time. Well, Todd, you see, I've murdered eight co-hosts to protect you. (laughs) That's how I know that even though you won't say it, Mikey, you love me. Because you got off the porch. (laughs) (laughs) That's the dumbest running joke we've had, and I'm... I'm here for it, though. Yeah. So your homework for next week is to revisit the Poltergeist franchise with Poltergeist 2 and then check in for that episode. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at MRandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash virgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box, so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. Fun fact about Nick B. Oh, he yeah? stayed on the porch because he's not ready to run with the big dogs. Oh, <laughs> you're calling him out. Well, Nick B., you have been called out by Mikey, and I expect to see a fun interchange on Twitter. This episode also brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager is driving her crazy this week. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? She keeps standing on chairs and shouting, oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> <laughs> You know how teenagers do? Fucking love that movie, though. Like, on the real, love that movie. Same. Mm -hmm. Same. Did I ever tell you guys a story about how I thought Dead Poet Society ended when his dad showed up to watch him in the play? Because my parents would turn it off at that point. And if you stop watching it there, like... It actually has like a happy ending. You're like, oh, his dad came to see him at the play. That's great. Oh, my God. I didn't know until like I was like 17 or 18 watching the full movie in my friend's basement that like there's another 30 minutes that are real dark. Yeah, your, your mom and dad are like, oh, take this out. We'll put in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers now. <laughs> 
Honestly, that or 1776, the musical. Oh, God. This episode also brought to you by the number Jeff. And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down a new episode of the Jessica Jones television show, Agent Carter, or WandaVision. So if you want to recap podcasts for any of those shows, check out Kissing Jessica Jones. This episode's also brought to you by Jonathan. And Jonathan normally sends us some spooky spider videos, but this week he sent us something a little bit different. You guys ready for it? Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Paige? Ex- explain it. Oh, I know the song. And, and and right now there's somebody dressed as Jason. And uh, that seems like it would be a pretty fun combination. Yeah, it's a parody of Mama Said Knock You Out. But it's like uh, it's like Jason or Michael rapping it. That's Jason. They're, they're the same character. Oh, man. I do love... Like, the horror community is amazing to me because they'll, like, do shit like this. That is, like, really high production. Like, he's in a boxing ring rapping this, and I'm here for it. Knock you out. Pamela Voorhees gave him very specific instructions. (laughs) And she did say, well, more than just knock them out, right? Like, it's, it's a little bit more violent than that. So, we now return you, right, to another episode of, uh... The, the Patreonicals after our orgy episode last week. Now, Mikey, you said last week we would delve into how many people got pregnant last episode. So I yeah. think we should pick up there. Is this the Maury paternity test results episode? Yes. So hell yeah. Okay. So cut to one scene. <laughs> wait. wait. <laughs> okay. A- Allie and Amber, the mermaids. They take. They take Scott. Who's made a thing and he's made a thing or he is he's, he's like a thing. The thing. He's made a rock. all rocks. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. 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 And the, the Voldemort like ghost that is, he's a real person now. But he's like a Voldemort, like shriveled up body, uh, Wes. And they kiss them both. Well, Amber kisses Scott and Allie kisses Wes. And they're like, Oh my gosh, open mouth kiss. And they're like, wait, is this a sexual kiss or like part of their culture? Yeah. Is this part of their culture? It's actually neither. This is actually part of their reproductive cycle. Oh, but that's not sexual for them. I'm so confused by Atlantis. They just transferred the fertilized eggs back into the males. Oh, like, like seahorses. I'm just figuring somebody transferring like a chicken egg, just like, Wow. <laughs> into another person's no, it was mouth. like caviar. I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. And they're like, congratulations. You're going to be fathers of hundreds of merpeoples. I did not see that coming in their mouth. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Wes was like, I've got a body back for like two hours and I'm pregnant. For again a night? <laughs> and the king of the mermaids comes. And Wait, question. Do Atlanteans get like, are they like seahorses where sometimes the dads get pregnant? The, the seahorses, the females fertilize the eggs and then transfer it back into the males oh, okay. for them to, to carry that just like the mermaids. Yes, yes. Okay. correct. So King Triton shows up. Yes. And he is like, y'all are like honorary. You two are like honorary mer people, man, because you're pregnant with our with our people. And, and unfortunately, here in Atlantis. We're pro-life. We believe that life starts when these fertilized eggs are regurgitated into your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They actually had some supremely underwater quartz <laughs> handle. I don't like this at all. But also, uh, I will say, being pro-life, do they also provide for those mer children after birth? Or are they just don't care, like they just want them born, but they don't care about them after? Because one mer person can bring hundreds of mer people to life, 
cheap labor is the goal of this is terrible this is even more dark than america right now we need a (laughs) mer protest about this we need a mervolution page (laughs) yes the mervolution will not be televised because it's underwater (laughs) and tvs don't work down (laughs) but they do they do provide them they have some sort of social safety fishing net nailed it (laughs) i don't like this I don't like where this is going at all. <laughs> Every child gets sprinkled fish food. Oh, oh, that's gross. It's what they Links. eat, Paige. Wow, that's that's very offensive. Yeah, very. You rude. know what? Whatever. I don't. I don't respect their their under supreme court ruling. <laughs> under supreme <laughs> court. <laughs> the only supreme I respect is the one that's tomatoes and sour cream. What? What? I thought you were going to say Diana Ross. Oh, well, Miss Ross does deserve her respect. Yeah. So. Jennifer with a PH and Shiny Donut have fallen deeply in love. Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. And of course. he's holding her in his donut hole. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. In a romantic way, not a sexual way. That was the Wait, last is week. this part of their culture? Donuts. <laughs> I do like that Shining Donut 911 can seemingly change the type of donut he is at will. Because like in previous weeks, he was like cream filled. A jelly donut. And now yeah. he has That's a That's his power. I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. Are all donuts receptive to penetration during sex is that how donuts have sex we can also transform into a bear claw nice now i'm interested yeah (laughs) (laughs) bear claws are delicious wait put fur on it and i'm in do Uh, i get a library (laughs) yes i've been kidnapped by a bear claw and he gave me a donut library Donuts sound good too. I'm just hungry. I'm hungry too. Same. mm. Well, so she's like, I'm in love with you. And he's like, I'm just a donut talking to a woman, (laughs) asking for her to eat me. I love you as well. And then he like gives her a sprinkle or some shit. So King Triton, king of the Mer people, comes to the arena where Isaac, Dave, and Karun, Amy, and Kate are hanging out. Most Evil Matthew is there. He has just murdered hundreds of myrrh eggs before they were born. They're called Megs? Megs. Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm conflicted because I believe in the myrrh people's right to choose. Uh, so, I mean, were they choosing for Evil Matthew to do this? Because if so... No, he did it because he's evil, because he's a dick. Yeah. Okay. And then so Triton comes down and he's like, Hey, you don't have to fight anymore. Two of your people are carrying to term hundreds of Mereg's, Megs. Right. And everyone looks very confused and starts. <laughs> What's confusing about that? Because <laughs> they don't know which two have done it. Oh, so they're like looking around like, are you the pregnant man? Are you the pregnant man? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's two of us. Mama told me not to. I'm full of Mereg's misbehaving. <laughs> Love it. I do think Uncle Baby Billy would carry those eggs to term. <laughs> and then leave them? Well, he would definitely leave them. Uh, Daniel and Aaron, after their Mun orgy, come out and they're like, King Triton, our ally. And he's like, we got to figure this out. They came down to cure their friend. And he's like, yo, their friend is cured and pregnant. They're like, oh, my God. That happened so fast. By the way, do you have any Vaseline or butt cheeks are chapped from the orgy? (laughs) (laughs) I've been sitting on that joke since last week. Uh, 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 Oh, my God. And then um, Dreskel is talking to Joey, Sneaky Snake, and Nathan, and he is like, we got to get the fuck out of here. This is stupid. 
<laughs> That's right. There's they're the ones that are self aware. They know how stupid the patriarchals <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. He's like Atlantis is fucking stupid. I've known it for a long time because the Illuminati knew about Atlantis, and we were like, "What can we do?" And we're like, "It's just it's real dumb here. It's like Monty Python levels of dumb over here." Love it. We have a nuke back in our sub. Let's nuke the fuck <gasps> out of Atlantis. Oh, they're gonna nuke Atlantis oh, because no. they have a minister of silly swims. Minister of Laugh Strokes Unfortunately Minister Laugh Strokes Was the (laughs) Vote that led the Supreme Court On to Get ridding of the right to choose And make them caviar I don't like Anyway But Dave overhears And so Dreskel Fucking grabs Dave And tears his throat out And he bleeds to death Oh, wow. Whoa, jeez. That happened quick. But Captain Brother saw that happen and overheard. And he run, he's running to the arena to warn everybody. And that's the end of the episode. Well, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to see if they do end up nuking Atlantis on another episode of The, the Patriarchals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Stay on the porch. Big dog nerds. <laughs> <laughs>